0: The Koigig Pod on OTB Sports. It's so
1: sad. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> it, it took me a minute. It actually took me a minute to realise what
2: just happened. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now.
3: OTB AM. The sports breakfast show from
4: Off the Ball.
0: Alright, we're welcome along, it's Monday morning after the All-Ireland Football Final, Dublin are the All-Ireland Champions, we'll be back and forth to the Team Hotel this morning in the hope, the forlorn hope that maybe some of them are available uh, for comment before half past nine. Uh, in the meantime we're going to sift through the wreckage of Kerry's season, what happened? Were they the better team on the day? I don't know, were Dublin the better team? I'm not, I'm not sure. YouTube.com forward slash off the ball, we've got a full house for you. Shane, good morning to you. Good morning, how are things? Good, Nathan, how are you? Good morning.
5: Oh, you're not very enthusiastic about this at all, are you? I um, yeah. Do you hate the Dubs as a Mayo man? Now, do you hate the Dubs as a Kildare man? I know you've, uh, I, I know you like to nearly see yourself as one of them now, but oh, look at this! Look at this!
3: Ouch! It's uh, the worst thing you can say to someone, isn't it? Someone who moves to the capital and then you're accused of turning into one of those people. Kerry were Mayo-esque yesterday, weren't they? In that the game was right there for them, they could have
0: won it, and they kicked some uncharacteristic wides in the final few minutes. When it's right there for them, no.
5: Yeah, it was. I think if you look at that spell, even not accounting for the David Clifford misses, there was that spell around 55, 60 minutes where there was two or three really bad wides, a couple of just wild, reckless shots. And maybe that's down to strong Dublin defending and the pressure Dublin are starting to exert at that stage. But it did feel as though there was a little bit of panic, a little lack of confidence in Kerry at crucial stages of the game. And I think overall Dublin deserved to win it. Now... Look, at 74 minutes on the clock. There's not a player in the history of the game you want in that position than David Clifford yeah. to just knock it over the bar with his left foot. And it doesn't happen for him. And the winning and losing of the game is that David Clifford doesn't get anywhere near the standards we generally associate with him in that second half. You know, he kicked two brilliant points in play. The ball for the goal is a uh, wonder ball. Yeah. But you would have expected every other day that David Clifford kicks three more points and,
6: hey, and they, they win by two. By,
0: yeah, uh, you know, it's... Um so how much of the credit for that goes to Michael Fitzsimons a lot you would have to say but some of it the, so Michael Fitzsimons played well and David Clifford played badly these two things are, are not in opposition to each other and it, I don't think it's causing effect either 100% I think Fitzsimons played well as well as he could do and I still think that some of the stuff that Happened to Clifford was unconnected with how well Fitzsimmons was playing, if that makes
3: sense. You're spoiling our performance rankings. Okay, tonight. okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, you're sorry. spoiling it.
0: Here's what's coming up between now and uh, 10 o'clock for you this morning. The performance rankings are imminent. After that, Anthony Moy going to give us his thoughts. We'll um, preview the final game of Ireland at the World Cup with Kathleen and Linda Gorman. Um, after that, we have Paul Caffrey. We'll be back at the hotel and we'll bring you some highlights from yesterday's pay per view where they were talking about the impact of the All-Ireland final kind of disappearing into the ether a little bit on a national level and some post-match reaction from Colin Boyle as well. So at 7.33, nine-time All-Ireland champions, uh, three of the dubs. Let's get going with the performance rankings.
7: You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not.
4: OTBAS performance ranking. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head performances. with just like that intensity. Boom.
5: Right. I think we'll start with the green. We start with the green? We should start with the green this week. Yeah. Yeah. We Go should on. start with Dublin this week. We'll be seeing Molly Malone by the end of this show. <laughs> That's how into this we are. Uh, yeah, 115 to 113. Not going to go down as a classic, but in the conditions, it was tight, it was tense, the sides were level on 70 minutes, it was kind of everything you wanted in terms of the closeness of the game. And it felt, looking at the reaction of the Dublin players and listening to them afterwards, that this meant a hell of a lot, that despite the six in a row, that they took the criticism that they've received Even just up to a few weeks ago, I think, even after that Ruscoma performance, we're still getting it in the neck that the stick they took over the last couple of years, uh, they took rather personally, but they got the band back together. Desi Farr, I think, deserves enormous credit for, you know, Avengers Assembled, got every bit of expertise they possibly could involved through absolutely everything at this. And they needed it because it was probably, you know, the introduction of Jack McCaffrey. Mm. The brilliance of their bench that just got them over the line at the very end. And I think overall, they did deserve to win that game. Their game plan it was you know, very defensive for large parts, but brilliant on the counter-attack. Sort of knew exactly what they were about. Their defense was far stronger than Kerry's uh, throughout the game. And then their forwards did enough. They kicked the points when they mattered in the final stages of the game. So, uh, you know, for a lot of these players, like for Cluxton to come back to win a ninth-hole Ireland... For Mick Fitzsimons to have what arguably should have been a man of the match display to win his ninth All Ireland, for James McCarthy to be in the running for football of the year as he wins his ninth All Ireland. Like this is stuff we're never going to see again. Yeah. Until next year when four more to win their ninth All Ireland.
0: Uh, will will they though? I, I definitely felt like this was last dance territory for a lot of them. Speaking to multiple uh people who are well connected within the Dublin GA community last night. There was a sense that uh, this is the end for many of them. Like, so Desi said, it's not even the I can't I can't remember the exact quote, but it was basically like, it's not just the lads who were thinking about retiring here. There are loads of people with a lot of miles on the clock who you might not anticipate a lot of battles. are thinking of going. Yeah, and I was like, what does that mean? But again, talking to people last night, they were mentioning very unexpected names who have just had enough that like the daily grind of getting up and doing everything that you possibly can all year long to try and win in All-Ireland. When you've won as many as they have, it's not as alluring anymore. Somebody said to me, somebody said to me last night with a straight face, they won't even win Leinster next year.
8: I
5: was like, uh, you are yeah. This is like... They won't win it by, they won't win it by five or six points. Or well, they won't win it at all. I they think. won't win it at all. I was like, well, I mean, that would be great. great. It would be great. But I think... Oh, does, the, does the allure ever drop off? I don't know. Like, the, Dean Rock seemed to indicate that he was probably done. And you can understand he's not he starting games. He's coming on for the final few minutes. Listen, he's kicking the point that the final point of the game and it's an important point. Maybe Kerry have a chance to go up uh, if he doesn't kick it. But he kicks it as he always does. But even for James McCarthy, like, you're not you are not a bit part player. You're not getting a few minutes here and there. If James McCarthy comes back, James McCarthy starting, all three of those players in 1-9, if they come back, are probably starting next year. Like Kieran Kilkenny, Brian Fenton, yeah, they got a lot of, lot of yards there done. But now's not the time you step away. Not when you're making and having the types of performances that they're having. Step away for a year, perhaps. Look at what it did for Mannion. Look at what it did for McCaffrey. But I thought, I, I think Brian Fenton should be Footballer of the Year again this year. I thought he was exceptional at big moments in the game yesterday. And you know, is I, that it though.
0: Is Michael is not Footballer of the Year?
5: I, there's an argument. I think he should have been man of the match yesterday. I think Clifford is the winning and losing of that game. We all know it beforehand. And I would just give Fitzsimons far more credit uh, maybe than you are there for like the first half
0: I, I think the, the he, way I they stopped the ball excellent. getting in but what? I still think Clifford played badly as well mm. and I don't think it was just cause and effect but I don't the, think it was the smothering pressure just I think that like because Clifford missed some fairly
3: open opportunities and was going for goal instead of taking points that can be down to Fitzsimons though because he got it in his head uh, maybe maybe But like, See the, you saw the video of Simons and Castle pregame I, I didn't uh, I heard they were beating the crap out of each other absolutely level like little back it was a bit strange it was very physical but like it
5: definitely at one stage it looked as though Simon <laughs> was looking at him going is this a scrap are, are we going to do this are we going to do this, yeah, yeah, to yeah. do this today <laughs> I think there was definitely a, a mental side of it that Fitzsimons they restricted him so much and Clifford in the first half every time he got in the ball and it was rare did the right thing and was brilliant mm. but you go to that last opportunity like Kerry couldn't have worked that better to level it up for Clifford and he misses it. But, I don't know, I find it very difficult to sit here and be critical of David Clifford in any way. Maybe he took too much on his shoulders. Maybe he has to take too much on his shoulders on that Kerry team. It did feel in that second half at times, particularly was the... Was it the wide out in the right hand side that he just hooked Miles up and there was a player that made the run through and he had to give it inside and he took the shot on? That he's thinking what we're all thinking is we're not going to win this game unless I kick the points to win it. Yeah. Where actually maybe there were opportunities for him to set somebody else up or maybe actually they weren't going to win the game unless he kicked
3: the points to win it. Hindsight's twenty twenty 20. He looked a bit nervous pre throw in, like even well, puff, puffing it, the cheeks, walking around. He didn't sing the national anthem. I don't is know. Is there a lot of
5: hindsight? Because I was wondering that last night watching the Sunday game. He comes off the bus and there's a big. Yeah. It's
3: the same in the parade.
5: Now look, the other thing is David Clifford, you know, lost his mother less than three months yes. ago. He's been through a huge amount of personal turmoil. I'm sure he's thinking back to last year's All Ireland final and what an occasion it was for the family, and it's a very different experience from yesterday, and we don't know how that plays on him as well. So I think if there's anybody who deserves a little bit of leeway, and I think you can see from all the analysis there is quite a bit of it.
3: That um, contextualises Paulie's performance as well, like he was brilliant. Paulie well, if Kerry
5: win Pauly's probably man of the match.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure.
5: Um, like Like three brilliant points but I I think the dubs with the level of like you think back to 2011 so 2011 the first All-Ireland Pat Gilroy's the manager Mm. Pat Gilroy's on the sideline yesterday as the water boy Brian Cullen's the captain Brian Cullen's there on the sideline yesterday Mm. Kev McManaman scores the goal Kev McManaman's there on the sideline yesterday Stephen Cluckson's in goal, Stephen Cluckson's still playing, James McCarthy's still playing. Like, they've kept this massive level of expertise and everything they've gained over the years and they're still all there, involved in different ways. And yeah. look, Desi has to take credit for, like, allowing Pat Gilroy back. It may seem like an obvious thing to do, but you know, you have to be quite humble to go. I don't think it was obvious at all. I think I think everybody was very surprised that it happened. Like
0: And, and that he's as uh, high profile and involved. You know, it wasn't a quiet thing in the back room at all. Like literally in the parade he's the one giving them their drinks I, I think Desi gets all the credit here and finally gets out from under the shadow of the previous managers and again I wouldn't be terribly surprised if this is the end of Desi Farrell's time as manager of Dublin yeah like, oh, for sure I was taking that yesterday as well like, you know, why would you go again I and I and to, to the point about um, oh they'll keep going because they all keep going I I don't know I think there's a good chance that several of them decide to take a, a year break and that doesn't look completely different next year. Because McCarthy didn't sound like somebody who was, like, gearing up to go after 10, did he? Did he not sound like
5: somebody who, like... No, he, he d- it was definitely a... We'll see over the next few months. Know, but I, like, got th- I, I, I wanted to go out and on All-Ireland, and I have it now, so maybe, maybe I'm done. Look, I think, Jared there's a, a, a you know, mixed analysis of your post-All-Ireland final gossip. You know, I think last year you restrained yourself. You'd heard the Shane Walsh was going to kill McCudden. You never said it. You had the good goss that time So yeah. maybe Maybe we need to put a bit more trust Trust, in, trust in what you're hearing
0: Okay okay So my, my uh, Don't give your source away My informed <laughs> speculation uh, do, Like who, who's going to take the Dublin job Like it's, it's obviously very difficult So it'll have to be somebody Pacqueroid. To your point I don't know I've I, I I suggested that I was, I was told that's unlikely um, But maybe not You know you, like You don't know until you ask Stephen Cluxton well, certainly, if you were going to be setting a backroom team together, you'd be asking a bunch of those people, right? Mm-hmm. Like you'd be, you know. I think Brian Cullen's full time with the Dubs anyway, right? That's is that that's not that, that is his day job, right? Am I right with that? Um, would Declan Darcy be interested in the job? He might be, you know. And that would be a, a continuity candidate. Would Jo be involved? You know, like he's obviously. Mm. The impact that J.O. had on Westmead uh, the longer the season went on seemed to be quite pronounced. McBowen? Maybe, yeah. There's, there's definitely loads of available candidates be who a dub anyway, it? performing at a very high <laughs> level. Yeah, Maybe, maybe if Banty was available might he be interested? Uh,
5: you're going to put um, your mate in Malachy, are you? Well, I think Malachy might be the man to take them to another another level.
3: Any kind would be stupid not uh, to have.
5: There's obviously a change at the top at Dublin as well. Uh, John Costello is finishing up I think maybe... This was his final mm. uh, week in the gig, so they've generally got their big decisions right over the last yeah. few years. But again, I think you go back to the way they've kept people involved, and you just imagine it's not going to be one guy who's just at the helm. They'll, you know, whoever the manager is, Cullen, you'd expect will stay. Kevin McMenamin will stay. Like these performance coaches that they have around the place will make sure that the standards are there. And like Jack McCaffrey could not have been more bullish last night about what's coming next. That's... When I got back in that dressing room I knew within a week we were going to win the All-Ireland you know what we're going to win lots more All-Ireland when I look around that dressing room Did he say that? Yeah Okay Well so that that would suggest that he's sticking around It didn't I didn't get sense at all from Jack McCaffrey this was a one and done I'm just coming back to save things I'm coming back because as Jack McCaffrey is you know it's better for my life to be here and I, I like doing
3: this well let's wait and see right because you know uh, He's <laughs> They're one of going the to have names. about
5: eight players left the way you were talking
3: uh, well, What was Mannion saying? Wishful thinking I got the sense from Mannion the same as Jack from, Right from okay. the, Look this is from the the, the interview obviously in, in the hotel last night but certainly got the the, the sense that Mannion was going to keep going Um. but then you don't know like these lads obviously last night they're going to give nothing away but Dean Rock and James McCarthy's language was very much We're, we're, uh, we're on the way out We're here. Out, the, out the gap like Yeah Um that's certainly the sense you'd get and obviously after the game they're all getting photographs clucks um, of the lads And well like McCarthy could easily go again uh,
0: to your oh, point yeah. he's only 33 it? yeah exactly he's yeah. So I, 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 10 so they're the, the greatest ranked footballers in terms of the number of All-Irelands that they've won ever yeah mm. like as you said it's history and it's never going to be beaten until unless somebody from their team their squad does it
5: but they're in the GPA box next year and Henry Shefflin's sitting there and going
3: show me your 10 All-Irelands
5: lads yeah, is that ten
3: times th- nicer? Posi- is that the position you want to be in for the rest of your life? 10's much better.
0: And is there is there a bit now where Kerry where they've beaten Kerry and Kerry like they're in Kerry's heads now? Like, is it easier for them to beat Kerry next year, or did Kerry come roaring back, angry? Like, so the there's not gossip, much between them. The gossip in Kerry is that uh, Mark O'Connor's coming
3: back from Australia. Mm, um, Same. In the Kingdom last last year, or last week, I was hearing the same, and it's not just the Ty Cannelly one, one and done, it's it's back, back for good. good. Yeah. Um, so they'll be stronger, fitter, leaner. I thought Kerry were brilliant yesterday. Just a couple of mistakes. Well, can they hold on to Paddy Talley? Like, he's been a key cog. And the, again, the, the word I was hearing last week was that in that semi-final against Derry, generally speaking, at the half-time, Paddy Talley will do a lot of the talking and kind of have the, the, the plan and the team talk. And apparently... Apparently, of course I don't know this for a fact, Jack O'Connor pulled rank at half time of that all ireland semi final and um said no, game plan's out the window. We're pushing on them. And and, and they went and obviously basically destroyed Derry in that second half. Uh so it'll be a rare thing for Jack O'Connor to do, it, imagine, at would imagine, half time of a match, but Yeah. I think they should hold on to Paddy Tally if they can.
5: I, I don't think Gary needs to panic. Like when the sides are level on seventy minutes as it ticks into injury time, who you who you who are you tipping to win? Yes, the dubs.
3: Yeah, the, was, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yesterday in yesterday's game. What? Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. The greatest team of all time. Who won? Like oh, I still thought. I still thought Clifford was going to step up. You think so? To win the game or to, to like, win the game?
3: Like the signs are level. Yeah,
0: no. Like there's not. There's nothing between them at that stage. I thought it was more likely that we we're going to have extra time. Yeah, than well, we I, def- I definitely
5: yeah. thought they'd find a way that we would. Uh, we would get extra time and a, and a replay out of this. But there's and look, it's definitely hindsight. In you look at the Dubs over the last couple of years, like last year. Sean O'Shea scores the point in the semi-final for Kerry to beat them. They're not that far away. The year before, which is a pains me to say, there's an element of freakishness in how Mayo come back. Like, they're toying with Mayo for most of that game. And they switch off and Mayo take advantage and they come back and they yeah. beat them. Now, there's been a lot of bad stuff in there as well. The relegation from Division 1, the general sense of flatness around the place, even at large parts of this year. But on the big championship games, like the unfortunate thing for this group, and as much as people have spoken about how great it is for the lads who've won nine I think it must be very special for the likes of Lee Gannon like Colin Basquale the guys have had to sit there and basically listen for the last few years of not ah, like they were like these lads are nowhere near
0: Basquale might have four or five All-Irelands now mm. he's oh, been in the squad for like loads of those but not seeing enough game mm. time for him to think
5: and not, and not so that like yesterday's second this. half you know steps up scores a couple of brilliant points obviously he's the match winner against Mayo in the quarter final. Yeah. probably going to be an I, all-star
0: Yeah, he could have been hiked at half time and nobody would have said okay that was a bad decision but actually his second half ends up being a match winner in some, in many respects you know it's, it's
3: his interception isn't it yeah yeah right at the end Goal. Like, like look 10 sounds good Cluxton has 17 Leinster titles would you not like to get to 20 yeah I'm sure he would nice yeah. round 20 yeah. Yeah. it was even it was an anti-climax at the end I don't know what it felt like in the stadium but because the double go two up, and I'm thinking, "Oh, Kerry's going to get a chance to push her for a goal here." But then, as soon as the six minutes is up, Goff blows the whistle. And it's like oh, I wanted one more. I wanted yeah. Kerry to push we could goal for. You talk about once. the referee, and I was uh,
5: like, the whistle is blown at 75 minutes and four seconds. Yeah. For a free kick. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, you give the other minute. Come I think. On. I, yeah, I, yeah. I think I did. I
0: mean, that would be the only tiny criticism I would have of an otherwise brilliant refereeing
5: performance. Mm. I thought at the game. So. Yeah. Anywho, let's keep going. Uh, also in the green, that's also going to be a Dublin Kerry ladies football final on Sunday week. Uh, Dublin beat Cork two nineteen to thirteen points, so a comfortable enough. Win. They started quickly. They played with the wind. They built up a big score. Uh, Hannah Tyrrell scored nearly goal. I think it probably should have been ruled out for a square ball. Just kind of played a quick one too, and she was back inside the square by the time the ball came back. But uh, Dublin were convincing winners. Uh, it's going to be the first time ever Dublin and Kerry have met in the ladies right. football final. Uh, 30 years since Kerry last won the All-Ireland. They beat Mayo 116 to 111. Uh, they lost their captain, for O'Shea. She picked up a cruciate injury in training last week. Uh, so obviously going to miss the final uh, as well. But they were keen to point out as to what a big influence she was. And text came in straight away saying, not about me this week, let's concentrate. Uh, Luisa the <laughs> best player in the country right now. 110. 110. <laughs> 110. Uh, so... These are the two teams who were beaten by Meath in the final over the last two years. Meath have obviously had a change, have had a dip. uh, So it will be, once again, Dublin Kerry. So that is uh, Sunday
3: week in the ladies football final. Yeah, like, Omer Hartig's performance was scandalous. Or sorry, Nibor Hartig, I should say. Um, Unbelievable. Like, brilliant goal, just scoring points from all over the place. So I think Kerry the team to beat even though like a, a 9 point win for the Dubs over Cork is, is hardly to be sniffed at in a semi-final um, Cork obviously have been there done that over the last number of years but yeah it just feels like Kerry are maybe on another level so that's going to be a cracking final I think uh, in that one definitely for sure And no, a novel pairing Dublin and Kerry yeah
0: if there had been a replay it would have been a Dublin Kerry weekend the Saturday and Sunday the, mm. the uh, men's would have been Saturday evening and the women's would have been Sunday afternoon that would have been a good weekend yeah it would have been pretty nice
3: Festival football
5: we go into to the Amber? Yeah. Still. Uh, Vera Powell is in the Amber. Hard to believe, um, considering the months of build-up we had at the World Cup, that it's all coming to an end today for the Republic of Ireland. And maybe, uh, and in all likelihood it feels, this is going to be Vera Powell's last game as Republic of Ireland manager. Uh, there was a very tense and tetchy press conference yet again down in Brisbane ahead of the game where Vera Powell has been asked as to, you know, have you heard anything? Uh, no, have you heard anything? No, would you like to hear something? Well, obviously, yes, I would like to hear something from the FAI. Uh, but there's been complete silence from Jonathan Hill. He told all the journalists who were over there. He would talk to them while he was in Australia and have a bit of a briefing. He hasn't said anything, and there's been no support at all from the players. There were four players up for media um, on Saturday. Megan Connolly was up yesterday. They all asked the same question, do you want to stay on? And they all sort of came up with the exact same stock answer of, just focusing on the next game. This is the World Cup. This is what we're all about. So... It feels that all of the things that have gone on off the pitch have um, come together at a very bad time for Vera Powell and that she doesn't really have the backing of the dressing room and that it probably is going to come to an end Um, which I think if you were to look at it from a purely footballing point of view it's very hard to make a case that Vera Powell doesn't deserve to stay on uh, considering what she has achieved in getting Ireland to the World Cup and I think performing really well in their first two games and are going to be getting better in these big games. But it's the other stuff. It is the accusations that have been made against her. I think it's the timing in particular of the accusations in the athletic piece just before the World Cup, like that press conference with Katie McCabe the day before the France game. That felt like a line in the sand. Again, Katie McCabe had an opportunity to back Vera Powell everyone will have seen a really sarcastic response at the end of the press conference. Like, Thanks for all the questions about the World Cup. Like this overshadowed Ireland's build-up to the World Cup. Do you think it had an impact in terms of our early exit? No, I, I think Ireland have played really well. Like, again, they're playing two of the best teams in the competition, two of the strongest teams. And you can get in, and we will get into the tactical analysis of how she got the best out of Katie McCabe, how she got the best out of Denise O'Sullivan. Mm. But Ireland haven't been... That far away from a position of you know where they have been in recent years, she has brought them uh, on uh, massively. But you know, I, I remember being out in Abbottstown the day of the initial accusations, and you know Vera Powell couldn't have been stronger, more vehement in her denials of everything that was said. But she was also incredibly strong on that. That's not me. That I am not that coach. I'm not this aggressive coach. You know, I am a very soft figure around these players. I'm a very supportive figure. And and at that stage, that didn't stack up to. Like it felt like there was almost having to be two extremes here. Where actually, you know, Vera Powell is, uh, and I mean this in the best possible way. She's very Dutch. Like she's very to the point. You know, she's very straight with her answers, and she pushes the players. And like Ka- Katie McCabe's response then in the press conference, Port of France game, where it's like, you know, we go at each other. Like we we challenge each other, but we're professional and we put it behind us and we get on with our life. And again, that's probably most dressing rooms. But you definitely got the sense from Katie McCabe that day that the players were pissed off that this was coming the night, day before their big send-off, and that Vera Powell had approached the Athletic. Now, I know Vera Powell says that they had come to her with a survey and she had gone back saying, well, why didn't you talk about uh, what players do to coaches instead of the other way around? And then they went and spoke to the players over in Houston again and it all escalated from there. But like this this has felt since then that like this is Katie McCabe's team, more than Vera Powell's team, and that Katie McCabe is the driving force behind this team. But I think the silence from the FAI... Uh, says it all in oh,
3: Vera F- was clearly pissed off the FAI in that press conference yesterday the day before like she was asked you know has this had an impact you know the, um, I guess the weight the contract weight and her answer was just yes and stony yes to Tony Dunne's question see She's the problem for pissed. the
5: FAI is the pro- like, so they have backed Vera Powell to the hilt mm. you know they came out that first day and they said you know we believe in our manager so Why then are they not offering a new contract? If that's the case, now they could argue things have changed. The players' attitudes have changed. The players are very frustrated. Maybe there's a sense it's an end of the road. Like Purba was interesting talking about. The natural cycle is six years for a manager. I think six years is when players and managers get fed up with each other, Mm. which would bring her on to 2025. Maybe the end of this cycle is now. If there is that real intensity to a management style, and these players have been together a long time now. You know they've had since they qualified. They've had two lengthy training camps. They've had about six weeks together. Uh, since the squad came together for the World Cup it's a lot of time in each other's company and maybe there's a natural break but from a purely footballing point of view it would make you nervous I think about what comes next who comes next and how Ireland kick on as they you know, their next game after this is at the Aviva Stadium against Northern Ireland Mm.
0: Yeah which is supposed to be like a massive celebration and something close to a full house so uh, look there's a watching brief here and obviously there's a big game that we should be talking about really
5: yeah absolutely um, 11 o'clock kickoff in Brisbane um, I, I don't think and I don't think Vir Pau should be thinking about rotation massively I think the physical mental toil of the first two games means probably a bit of a natural couple of changes in there but you know there's a lot at stake for Nigeria here and if Ireland were to switch off and think well let's just give everybody a game and have a good time you could end up at the end of a bit of a beating which would leave a very sour taste again at the end of a World Cup where they've They've acquitted themselves very, very well. In saying that, you do look at the f- couple of players who haven't played so far, and you know, if you leave the keepers out of it, and unfortunately the life of the subkeeper is, you know, maybe you just don't get that chance. But you know, Diane Caldwell, ninety-six caps, I think made her debut in two thousand and six, played the night over in Scotland, surely deserves a bit of a run out of the World Cup. Chloe Mustaki's story is one of the best stories in Irish sport. Deserves a run out of the World Cup. Uh, Kira Grant has been there came back into the squad Having retired again does she deserve a bit of time Clara Reardon is probably next in line defensively so those four outfield players maybe she gets an opportunity to give them some game time but um, I think as much as is possible and as fit as players are you go out full strength and you try and get something from this game okay on to the red Uh, in the red Jer um, we're going to go booing the ref we go booing the ref Mm. first um, Shane was passionate about this one uh, I was um,
3: ah. was it like? was it loud in the stadium when it was very loud in the stadium yeah. it, I mean, was, it was um, um, totally, totally noticeable yeah. but, but was it, is it something that normally
5: happens that the referee is so Larry McCarthy thanked David Goff and his
3: officials yeah
5: and his officials and David Goff's picture went up at the big screen and there was a loud boo from the hill and Goff was laughing and Goff was laughing which then, was the best thing and then Larry
3: McCarthy part. says no no yeah, <laughs> like an old school principal
5: and I think David Goff was able to laugh because even David Goff I'm sure knew at that stage like, there was no big incident here. Okay, after every game both sides are going to feel a little bit aggrieved. As I say, Maybe there should have been a minute extra at the end. Give Kerry the chance to get that goal that we're, you know, we have but a Seamus they, Darby the goal that we're talking were, about yeah, it for the like, next hundred years um, and it's one of the greatest moments we've ever seen. Uh, maybe Kerry are annoyed about the James McCarty hit. Like it was very, very high at real speed. Um, you know could that have been a red card possibly he'd had it a few in the first now, sorry. this is in the second half um, uh, who's it on is it one of the Kerry halfbacks who stays down injured for quite a while um, sort of clotheslines was him was it Moynihan
0: Moynihan went off that
5: stage he? so he clotheslined him um, but it was it was probably almost it was too close to the face um, in real time it was one of those in Gaelic football it's almost always a yellow card when you watch it back on the replay Maybe it could have been a little bit more. There were probably a few other incidents. The Clifford one that was overturned. Now, when you look at the replay of Clifford and Fitzsimons, where they both get yellow carded, and originally the free kick had been awarded to Kerry, probably the two of them are at it. And maybe it's good refereeing again, that you go, you talk to your umpire and say... Is that not not like the the best
0: example of, of excellent refereeing, where he gets his ego out of the way, admits he made a mistake... I wouldn't have booked them both, but well, I,
5: th- I, 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 would agree. I think you are dead right. Uh, didn't let his ego get in the way, but then probably did almost overcompensate by going. Well, there was a, the two of them were in it, so I am going to book the ball to you to show that there was something a bit more going on here. It, it did stop them from doing any of that stuff afterwards, you know. Yeah, well, and that might have been his thinking of. Listen, I am not going to have the next fifteen minutes of you two pulling lumps out of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, book the two of them, and that'll put a stop to well, it. But
3: you were asking this morning before the show, like, was it? A, did you enjoy? Did, was it a good game? And but for David Goff, it would have been so much worse. I right. think he basically it was like a Kilkenny hurling training session for the first
0: 25 minutes where he it. exactly I think we were 11 or 12 minutes in so Clifford scored a free uh, but other than that it was the first like, free w- given was an obvious one and it was about 10 minutes in mm. yeah, yeah, and it, before that there were loads like the fussy referees early in the championship were like oh there's about, been about 5 fouls in that that you could blow for he's like no let's go and it, <laughs> Maybe because the conditions were the way they were, but people were literally taking the ball off each other in a way that generally is like, oh, you can't do that, that's a foul. But actually, I thought he was excellent.
5: Um, yeah, well, I was right down pitch side. Um, so much so I'm bringing out a book on uh, Jack O'Connor and Mike Quirk's conversations um, during the entire <laughs> game. I was uh, that. Well, you could hear them in the first half because it was so flat and it was as a nervy, sort of tense game. Now, there was nothing overly exciting in uh, what they were um, saying to each other. But you got a real sense of the tackling and the Mm -hmm. quality of the tackling and the ability to turn the ball over and again if it wasn't for the booze at the end I don't think we'd be talking about David Goff in any way like he did a really solid job and there seemed to be a sense it was the Dubs booing him surely the Kerry fans still stuck in the hill the
0: Dubs were pissed off that um, he gave Clifford so Clifford has a shot that goes wide and then gets called back for it like the tiniest little on the replay you can see that he pulled the jersey that Fitzsimons mm. had pulled the jersey and um, I don't think he needed to because Clifford was shooting wildly and, and was missing but then he kicks that point and the Dubs like, like oh, that was not fair well, that's
5: ridiculous behaviour what
0: yeah we haven't called it all games. like yeah well he saw it though it's, it's a foul um,
5: so, so I don't know If you were on the hill Let us know The sense was that Well obviously the Kerry fans Got out of there as quickly As they possibly could yeah. So why would they be booing They wouldn't have been on the hill But actually I think There was still a huge amount Of Kerry fans on the hill And surely the dubs Aren't booing the referee I don't know Maybe everyone just boos the referee If you put the referee In the ah, big screen In any game Everyone's going to boo him
0: Kenny the dad wants to know Can we give an honourable mention To the bizarre lineup Of pitch side commentators The BBC had It did seem as if The BBC had like one of uh, So Daryl Breen Paddy Keelty
3: Paul Meskel. Paul Mescal, and... Uh, Adrian Dunbar. Adrian Dunbar, yeah, from Plain of Judy. Was Seamus Coleman on with them as well? Yeah, uh, Because he
5: done. was photographed... Uh, Ashley O'Reilly was talking um, to him before the game, and obviously Seamus is Desi Farrell's first cousin. Mm. Uh, but he was photographed with Patrick Keelty and um, Dunbar. A- Adrian Dunbar outside. I didn't see him pop up. But again, it, it feeds into that bigger conversation of All-Ireland Final Day, All-Ireland Weekend... What it can be, what your coverage should be, yeah, how early the coverage should start, um, like a parade of celebrities. And in fact, everyone you didn't look at any of those four sitting there and go, that's a bit cheesy. No, actually, no, this all, here's four guys are coming along, we're going to enjoy the game, with we'll all of a little bit to add. Um, yeah, a bit of razzmatazz, there's no harm in it. Uh, exactly. Yeah.
3: I think the BBC have one more press box seat than the RTE, if I'm, I'm right in saying. Someone told me that last week. Um, oh, so like, obviously we they're
5: press box seat, but...
3: <laughs> well, yeah. But yeah, it's funny to see them using them in that way.
5: But they were up in their box. Okay, right. right. Yeah. So um, they, they have a uh, broadcast box right beside where RTE's broadcast box. There. They took the Old Sky broadcast box, I think it is.
3: Um, so they had the four of them sort of squashed in there. That's going to do. Grow the game. Dion Dublin, the likes of those lads. Throw them in. It was live on, on BBC Two, was it? Mm. Uh, so Richard Cole's
0: tweeting about it during the week. It was
5: strange because last week the hurling final, as far as I'm aware, was only on BBC Two Northern Ireland. Yeah, Uh, where yesterday's match was on uh, BBC Two for everybody in the UK to
3: watch. Mainstream UK, not ready yet for hurling. But Damien, Damien messaged this morning on YouTube, got to watch my first All-Ireland final shown on BBC Two in England. Great watch. Is that right? Hurling. Oh, the hurling, was it? What are, so, what do you asking? Football?
5: No, but the first time it was on uh, terrestrial TV, if that's England. still a thing, yeah. in England. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's, that's step forward.
5: Well, just good coverage. A
0: little bit of like, oh, we're thinking about this in a way that other people aren't thinking about it. Oh, oh, oh you can have these people. Well, I mean, is it too much for us? It is. We can't. No, sorry. Sorry. Too busy being boring. <laughs> Three minutes past eight. Is that it? We have one more. Have Carry
5: in the red, Jair. Ah, Carry yeah. in the red. Um, yeah. you losing All Ireland you end up in the red. It's simple as that. What did they do wrong? I think if you were... It was, it was hard... We could have a good debate, I'd say, about who the man of the match was from a Dublin side. You know, I think, like, Cluxton, 100% from his kickouts. was it 44% of their scores started with Cluxton. They worked them all the way up to the pitch. Uh, I thought all the way through that team, like, from Fitzsimons, is obviously a contender. Um, Brian Fenton, we were probably debating before, and I thought Fenton, at the big moments in the game, was again the one who just... Scored two great points. Did score two great points. Calmed it down. I thought Jack Kerry right was thing. great,
0: though. So I thought the. I, I actually, I, was your point here? Who in Kerry would you say were. This
5: is what, so I think for Kerry, you were looking going, well, Paul Gainey scored the goal, and there was a sense of, geez, we, we thought Gainey was gone, but he actually comes back and he has this big moment, and he was very <laughs> solid. I think Paul O'Shea was brilliant. Paddy O'Shea. Paddy <laughs> Clifford <laughs> was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Paul O'Shea, things might have been different. Um, Paul Clifford was brilliant. Um, and aside from that, like they just I thought the defence was excellent like uh, Costello was going to be
0: an all-star up until the final and Tom Sullivan marked him out of the game Tom Sullivan had, maybe you would have, in a different day have scored a couple of points
5: ran out of steam at the end yeah. um, he was gone in the last for those last couple of Dublin scores he was gone
3: Sean O'Shea started very very well like his accuracy was good and then the, the Gavin White moment was the the turning point wasn't it
5: like I thought Kerry's half-back line struggled that that's, that's bit where there was too much space at times for Dublin to kick those points like the couple of Fenton points he just strolled through yeah but that's that's I don't know the, the back line are
0: actually marking and that's where Paddy Talley's defensive system broke down like Dublin were carrying the ball straight to the centre of um, the Kerry defence and no one quite knew what to do although it didn't cost them as much as it might have done with a few goal chances yeah if they managed to get turnover so look I actually thought the carry defence was excellent And um, they did their bit, you know. Mm. Keep Dublin to 115. Dublin are going to score 20, 22 points. But they didn't. It
5: wasn't that... But in the conditions, I don't think it was ever Uh. ever that type of game. I think Dublin defensively uh, set up so well. They forced them down the wings. They forced them down the channels. In that first half, when Clifford was getting the ball, he was getting miles out on the sideline. Yeah, for the goal, it didn't matter because he was still able to create something. But then Dublin just burst on the counter
3: I think Condon didn't score is that right Condon didn't score if you said that before the game you'd be like Dub's not winning this game Koslow taking off like I thought the carry defence was excellent but anyway Con hits the crossbar course of that (laughs) unbelievable shot like hits the crossbar
0: so somebody was giving out about him taking a mark in the semi-finals um, in one of the bits that we'd done it was like oh I'd say somebody would have had a word with him you go and you next time don't take the mark actually if he'd taken the mark in the first half and just taken his point he might have got into it. But he. Catches the ball. Brilliant catch. john Morley. And, and the ball spins off the outside of his boot and it's a wide. It was like, mm. wow. And then there's a... There was,
5: did he want to clear off the line as well? Early uh, in the first half? Paul Ganey had... Uh, so Gainey had the very oh, early late. chance. It was actually going wide and the dubs cleared yeah. it off the line. Yeah. Right, okay. It was going wide.
0: Okay. All right, six minutes past eight. Uh, Anthony Maud's going to join us in just a second. First, here is a clip from the pay-per-view yesterday. Philip Lanigan of the Mail and former Dublin footballer and CEO of Taneo, Mick O'Keefe, joined Joe to go through the Sunday papers here talking about why the all Ireland final day should be a national
2: holiday. OTBAS Performance Rankings. I think there's an issue with All-Ireland Finals weekends, and I think, I, I would argue, and I know you slightly disagree with this, it needs to go out a little bit and go into August and push into the second and third weeks in August for loads of reasons, promotional reasons, and also, like, surely our All-Ireland weekends should be like Super Bowl weekends, right? That's what we should try and do. So there was a time where the Sevens was a big occasion. Mm. That's kind of kind of happens and you don't even yeah. know what's on. Yeah. Sevens was part of the weekend. Fellas will come up for weekends of All-Ireland's... I was talking to a in the office the other day from Kerry and he's uh, 30 or 40 mates coming up so many of them are coming up for the night one I think is staying the night they're all coming up the morning down the, down the morning it's not the sense of there should be a festival on in Dublin on, a, on an all on weekend it should be at a time where you're given a couple of weeks to plan it there should be music there should be a, a pre a match on before whether it's a camogie match for the hurling or a, an underage game or a developmental something on to yes. get people in a, a bit early a sense of Crow Park's alive for the yeah. day fan zones yeah. like all yeah. that stuff should be there and like mm-hmm. part of that should be a celebration of people from 25 years ago like if, I, I'd love to have seen that awfully team and I'd love to see a little mini documentary because they were all great characters great, really. um, so I is think it's, it's a, Galway, is a Galway? Galway 98 Galway what it a team in 98, yeah, yeah. what a team and like you know that was an um, that was one of the best displays in an all-around final ever I'd love to see a rerun of that game there should be a dinner and a banquet for them the night before get them out in the pitch you know and, and let people kind of recognise them yeah. so I, I I think in this instance I think maybe this is the simple fact that you know you can put things down to this post-Covid you know we haven't really found a rhythm yet and stuff yeah. and the dates kind of still I, I personally don't like it and I think yeah. I haven't even gone on my holidays yet and the all-around finals are over you yeah, know same, yeah. so, <laughs> so I, I just feel it's 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 a bigger conversation around the final should be a weekend of yes, celebration I, in I, the I,
0: capital you, you make the point very well so the weekend feels a bit bare yeah. at the moment and it, I'd say there'd be a great appetite. Anything you put on, I think people would love to go to.
1: AM, The Sports
0: Breakfast Show from off the ball. Anthony Moyes is with us. Anthony, good morning to you. How are you?
4: Morning, gents. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, so uh, explain what happened yesterday to us.
4: <laughs> okay, where do you want me to start, here? Well, why did Kerry lose? Why did Kerry lose? Um okay a couple of things um uh, well they had an off day up front okay that's that's pretty obvious and the the man who was you know being hailed coming into the game as the greatest ever um had an off day and you know he had he had I think a lot of that is to do with, with the way Dublin set up against him. And a lot of that was to do then with his own frustration and his own maybe weight of expectation on his shoulders. And due to that, he started to, which a lot of people do. And he's only human and, and lots of sports people do it. He started to snatch at things and he started to go for things that probably he probably should not have gone for. There was at least. Probably two or three shots that he took on where you'd kind of go, Wow, if you're really going well and you're slotting everything over, that goes over. But when you're trying to find your rhythm and you're frustrated, as you could see, when he was kind of pulling his hair and, you know, clenching his fists after one or two easier mistakes, those those scores don't go over. And the defender knows they don't go over, and all the defenders around you know they're not going to go over, and they give you plenty of stick for it. So I think that was a big outcome on it, Chair. You know, we said last week that you know, if Mick Fitzsimons kept him to probably seven or eight, he would be doing a serious job. Um And he kept him to, what, three? Three, yeah. He up. So, you know, I was kind of having an argument a little bit on Twitter last night, with people are, a, well, I wouldn't call it an argument, let's say a, a discussion. Not like but, you. <laughs> no. Nah. Well, I well I, I I thought Fitzsimons did an unbelievable job because, again, like stuff we we mentioned over the last few weeks, people people don't notice the stuff that defenders do where they're covering off you know, six balls in a row and they've managed to cut them out and then the forward gets that one ball. Like Fitzsimons was doing an unbelievable job on him. Um, And a lot of times when fellas are given man-marking jobs, they just stick to the man um, and they kind of turn their back on the rest of the play. And what happens is other fellas get on the ball and get easy scores. But if you watch him, even on the very, very last one in the 72nd or 73rd minute, he actually, Clifford passes the ball and he actually goes to someone else And the ball gets switches back to Clifford, but you could you could see his desire to try to help his defenders. Now Clifford ends up you know clipping it wide, um, and you probably as a manager would say, "Jesus, why didn't you stay on him?" But I thought his display was fantastic. I thought Fitzsimons was you know for me with the pressure he was under coming into that game, um, you know. psychologically, you know, going in, as I talked last week about going to bed on Saturday night, what he was thinking of that daunting task of taking Clifford. um, Now, he had help, but at the same time, he was plenty of times left one-on-one with him. Um, I thought he did a fantastic job. And, you know, fellas were saying, oh, loads of times he was on the ground. It was just down to Clifford's bad shooting. Yeah, but Clifford would have only still, in my reckoning, got, you know, six um, and as I said even if he got eight I would have taken eight if I was marking him I'd say Jesus I'd give him eight all day long and then try to see can we restrict the rest of them to kind of five or six uh, uh, and we get out the gap um, so I think that was one of the reasons sure. Is it overstating it to say like it's a
5: generational conversation changer his performance yesterday like if, if Clifford goes and scores the eight points we're sort of saying like Mick Simons these lads are probably past it you know they probably stayed on a couple of years too long, whereas now actually we're celebrating nine All Irelands for him, for McCarthy, for Cluxton, and actually wondering why the hell would they leave now?
4: Yeah, you're probably right, Nate, and that, and that's the thin edge of sports, you know. Um, and anything can 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 you know, and the, the narratives are written after and all those different things. But you know, I, th- I think the younger lads, um, I think I think like baskal Pascal was a major difference in that game in the second half. Um, we spoke last week about putting him out to 11. And I think when he moved out to that half forward line and ran at the Kerry defense, that caused them absolutely unseen, undean problems, like major issues. Um, Mannion the same when he moved out. You know, Mannion was having a good game overall, but Pascal's difference in that second half, I thought was fantastic. Um, McCaffrey's introduction was unbelievable. I, I still think Nathan, it feels like. You know the last dance for a number of them, um, and I think you know you hear the interviews afterwards with Dean Rock and and a few of them. I think there's I think there's definitely a a a sense that this was the one they wanted. You know, I got a text message off of 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 a Dublin fellow I know, and um, he he knows uh, Cluxton fairly well and Cluxton's father well, and he was just saying that Cluxton's father was saying that this was the one, and this is the one that has tasted tasted the best of all of them. So like I mean that's an amazing thing that this is the one that they've regarded as being the most above all the rest, which is pretty which is pretty phenomenal. So you can just see the desire they had to actually win this. Um and McCarthy referenced it, they all referenced it. And that sense of hunger, like that that cannot go. You know, question that that is an unbelievable thing because that's just not a thing you just switch on. You know, you don't just wake up one morning and go, oh, Okay, we're going to win the All Ireland. Let's let's just go and we go and do that. That is a massive amount of like, I mean, prep training stuff away from the team, sacrifice all the rest of the stuff to get to that point. And there's a very, very again, there's small margins in that. Like, I saw James McCarty this year in a gym I attend, and 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 like the fellow was broken up. You know, he was he was basically on one leg. You know, he was kind of saying to me, oh, yeah, I hope the season goes well." And you know, he but he looked like a fellow who was a beaten docket. You know, he looked like an older guy. He 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 was hardly able to walk. Nearly, um, he was doing a lot of rehab and prehab. So to see where he went to in kind of February and March, and to see where he is now is phenomenal and um, you know I think they all referenced that and, and I, think it, it, I think it was born out in those last few minutes and in small moments in that game I think
0: Cluxon doing a lap around the stadium was you know more ebullient celebrations than we've ever seen from him notwithstanding the fact he wasn't on the telly last night but like I, it did feel like that was the end for him and you're certainly I was hearing that loads of them are thinking about taking uh, if not um, a retirement but certainly time out Now, that could be four months, that could be six months, that could be a year for a couple of them. And we know several of them have gone travelling before. So, like, I I wouldn't be terribly surprised if there's a new manager and a totally new-looking team next year.
4: I wouldn't be. And and I I don't know if you watched, but McCaffrey, I I just caught a little bit of, of, of an interview with him and Desi, and he was mentioning the fact that they were basically handing the baton over. And he was saying that, you know, this year was as much about standard setting as anything else. And that's really... You know, he was talking about mentoring and, you know, having a teacher-mentor kind of relationship and with, with players. Like, that's that's enormous, you know. And, and I, I will say one thing about Dublin over the last 10 or 15 years, and this is what a lot of counties have to realize, is that they embrace that. You know, they embrace the former players. They embrace fellas that have been there ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. They invite them back in. There's no jealousy. There's no kind of fe- saying, "Oh, that fellow was hard to deal with," or "This fellow was this." They 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 continue to to say, "Well, you know, if these guys have got there for us in the past and they've shown the commitment to wear the jersey for solo, let's bring them in and let's 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 gather up knowledge and and use them as a, as, as as a font." Um, and, and it's it's amazing it really is and I have to say like that for them to even just discuss that Jer, and mention that and say you know we're leaving this Dublin football now in as good a stead as we possibly can be and we have shown the level of commitments where you need to get to and these guys are going to take that on and push it on that's a bit of a warning shot to the rest of the country to be honest uh, Can we
0: talk about Desi for a moment because James McCarthy is like um praising them afterwards, saying it was ridiculous some of the stuff that was uh, shot at Desi over the years. And like, uh, (laughs) I do think Desi finally emerges from the shadow of his predecessors here. This All-Ireland, getting all those players back, uh, masterminding the defeat of a Kerry team who were reigning All-Ireland champions, who have got their own band back together with Jack O'Connor and who do have, you know, the greatest footballer of all time uh, in their midst... It's a fairly sensational achievement from Desi's perspective.
4: Yeah, for a people that you know, for a guy that people would just say is uh, monotone and you know, kind of a you know, pull, drives the thing down. I like, I mean, how far from the truth can you be? Um, I think that he has done a remarkable job. I was chatting to Adrian on the on the show on Wednesday. We were just referencing the whole thing that he has done since the whole COVID affair. Um, so if you remember that, you know, that could have very easily been the player saying, "We want to train." And him saying, oh, look, lads, we can't. You know, we're under pressure. And them saying, no, no, we need to train. We need to train. Let, let's let's train in small pods. But he took the flack for all of that, right? You know, the Cluxton thing. The Cluxton thing, no one knows what happened there, whether it was him, whether it was Cluxton, whether it was someone else. But he, again, took the situation. And he and he he constantly did things to earn the trust of the players. And I don't really feel, Ger, and, and and maybe this is just me from the outside looking in, but to, to follow in the footsteps of Gavin, right? You know, you've got guys there who soldiered with him. He, Gavin has made them legends, right? And they have an umpteen amount of medals. To then follow that in and to go, listen, I can also do that for you, but I can do it in a different way. You know, because if you remember, and I question it, we all questioned the style of football that they were playing, maybe in the league at the start of the year and last year where the likes of John Small or these fellas were coming up from the back and taking shots and people were saying, Oh, that's not, that's not the way they did it under Jim Gavin. You know, they, they wouldn't do that. But Desi was trying to instill this probably new style of, which he had to, he can't, he couldn't go back in and just say, okay, well, what he did, I'm just going to repeat it because it would have been totally boring. Um, and, and and also the players would have found chinks in it. And, and they definitely would have said, you know what, this guy is, uh, it ha- has flaws. Um so what he did was he put his own imprint on it. Um, and and you know what? He took all the pressure off them. He he James McCarthy referenced it yesterday about the flack. And that's stuff that players remember. You know, players remember the small things. When you're winning, it's fine. But when you're losing, and the pressure that comes on at that stage, if you don't have a manager that backs you, and you don't have a manager that you can respect and trust, that's the time where managers earn their spurs. And that's the stuff where players remember when it comes to those critical moments in big, big matches and they say I'm going to do it for him as well as everything else. A lot of the focus is
5: obviously going to be on David Clipper's performance from a Kerry side but when Jack O'Connor and his management team are analysing this over the next few days what are they going to be looking at that that they got wrong that they could have done better?
4: You know, it was a messy game, Nathan. Um, Like... You know, people will won't really, Crow Park has a has a has a weird kind of a surface in the sense of when it rains, you know, a lot of times on a pitch, you know, it kinda of, you get a you get a bout of rain and that kind of misty, showery rain and, and, and it kind of soaks it in. Where Crow Park it, it literally stays on the top of the surface and it makes the ball and makes the surface unbelievably slippy. Like I, you can't overemphasize that. It's very, very difficult to keep your footing, whether you're twisting or turning or, you know, necessarily bouncing the ball. And the amount of turnovers was unbelievable. Like if you watch the first six or seven minutes of the second half you kind of go, geez, this is pretty poor standard because there was balls out over the end line. There was lads dropping balls. There was hand passes to lads' feet. There was hand passes over fellas' heads. There was all sorts of stuff. Now, you can talk about the intensity in the tackle and all of that stuff, and there was plenty of that. But some of the execution was a little bit off. Was that nerves? Was it the intensity of the game? Was it the conditions? I think it was all of that. Um, I think where Kerry faltered was we worried a little bit all year about their midfield we worried a little bit about their half back line, um, their half forward line, 10 and 12 you know and I think inevitably what happened was they just didn't have enough fellas who could put the ball over the bar. Now I think Ganey really showed up yeah. to be fair to him um, and I also think Sean O'Shea blew hot and cold but but outside of that You know, Pawdy was the standout forward for me. Pawdy absolutely took the mantle on when needed. um, And he really drove at Dublin. And he did what he needed to do in that purple patch they got uh, uh, um, in the second half. But, you know, inevitably he kind of tired. And then they didn't have anyone. and they didn't have the bench to come on. I know Spillane came on and kicked an absolutely brilliant score right away. But apart from that, they didn't really have anyone uh, a la Jack McCaffrey. Who could cause absolute mayhem when they got the ball? Um, I thought their defense was excellent. Like I thought Foley was unbelievable. Um, Thomas Sullivan and Costello had an unbelievable battle, basically just chasing each other up and down the pitch. You know, nullifying each other because Thomas Sullivan's usually good for two scores. Costello's obviously a marquee forward who who was held. At, I don't know if he was held scoreless. He got a few frees, but you know he didn't have a great game. Um, and you know, I just I just thought. Yeah, I thought that was probably where they, they did it. They got all their kickouts away because Dublin were obviously dropping back. Um, but if you were looking at it from, a, from a, a really analytical point of view, I think the problem was with them, they were a little bit open. You know, they, they, Dublin did well in the sense of they put a man up and they pushed up on Morley and they made Morley mark. Um, and, and, and that was a positive. And then Dublin once Dublin ran at them down the middle um, and came at them with pace, uh, real pace and fellas off the shoulder that that caused issues for them. Um, but I think I think ultimately when they sit back and they analyse the year, they say, well, if 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 the greatest player who has ever played the game is slightly off, have we got enough around it to uh, to really pick it up? And and inevitably the answer was no. Yeah, I think um,
0: there's midfield reinforcements coming um, next season as well. So like. There is something for them to cling on to in terms of what will happen next year, that there could be enough of a change. Having said that, you would still expect the half-backs and the half forwards to be largely the same unless maybe the um, the Spillans end up starting and, and reaching a point where they're consistent enough. So it, it's going to be bleak enough from Kerry's perspective in that they will feel that this is one that they were the main reason they lost
4: I think they will Jer. um you know it it, it is a hard one for them they're going to have to sit down I think the easy thing will be and the easy easy excuse and the easy narrative will be ah, david had an off day you know and 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 because he had an off day if he if he had the shooting boots on sure Jesus we would have won by five or six I I don't think that's that's not really 100% accurate because if you watch a lot of the times – now, I, I counted probably two. Do you remember the one where he kind of sliced inside and he did a beautiful little slalom, true Dublin players, on his right foot and he kicked it wide in the left? That was an easy score. He should have kicked that, right? There was another one then where he came in from the left-hand side and he clipped it wide. That was another – I, as I said, he probably had another three to four where you'd say, yeah, he should get those. So that brings him up to seven or eight. And as I said, that's, that's, that's an okay return for him. Right, if he's getting one nine, one ten, but that's the kind of expectations we have for him, which is unbelievable. Yeah, but he, that is how good he is. So, I think they do, they also need to go back a little bit and they need to say, right, as you said, where are we from that midfield point of view? Where are we from our half forwards, our ten and twelve? Have we enough that, like I thought, Stephen O'Brien would have been much more effective coming onto the pitch. I thought he had an off day. He ran into trouble a lot. He didn't really affect the game. You know, when you come to Wall Ireland final day, you need to be playing at eight, nine, ten out of ten. You that's that's where your levels have to be, um, to really go and do it. And if you're having a five or a six out of ten and you're not really you're getting on the ball, but you're not really doing a whole pile with it, and you're not really massively, as I say, affecting the game and causing threats. You know, and, and I, thought, I thought a number of that carry forward line were in, were in that camp um, and, and indeed their half back line. So they've got a little bit of work to do, um, but I'm sure that they'll unearth some players down there and, uh, you know, they'll come again. Like, I mean, look, the spine is unbelievably strong um, and I think they will look back again and say, yes, we had opportunities. But, I, you know, on the flip side the goal they got was, was was a great goal to come at a really brilliant time for them but I think they could have been two or three b- more behind at that stage like Khan had an easy mark yeah. which he should have just taken and tipped it over the bar and it would have been 7-3 you it, know uh, yeah uh,
0: so, somebody definitely in the build up have been like oh they'll have been have a word with him because he took a mark in the was it the semi-final where the sense was he should have taken his man on he does take his man on it's like it skews the ball wide so um, Con. Didn't look like Conn all year, even though he was supposed to be the difference between the team this year and last year. It was um, he didn't quite hit the standards, did he?
4: No, I don't think he probably
0: did. Um, that we expect of him, I mean.
4: Yeah, obviously I expect of him. I, th- I think I think he 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 probably suffered a little bit of an identity situation in the sense of like like I love the fact that when he wins a mark, he just he just thinks of okay, I'm taking you on, right? That's that that is the way it should be. Um, but again, I think a little bit like Clifford, right? Um, sometimes you have to do less, you know, c- kind of to let others be more, right? And and I think even in that situation where he cracks it off the crossbar, if you look, Pascal is making a run off his left-hand side. And if he slips him the hand pass, because at that stage Foley was done, you know, he got inside him. he Now he'd probably taken a few extra steps. But if he had slipped him a hand pass there was two of them coming in there was a defender goal but i think they would have they would have got an easier goal um the one at the first half where he marks us just get yourself into the game you know get an easy score he kind of seems to be a fella who again is feeling that pressure and, and is trying too much yeah. to kind of do things um but look he was still he worked he, look you know what people will go on and they'll give out and we're trying to analyze the game like the level of intensity the fitness levels the tackling the ferocity all of that and the skill levels at, at, at for large parts of the time in a very very difficult conditions was brilliant yesterday you know it really really was some of the scores that were taken um and i'm delighted for bascal i think he has had an awful lot of critics i was i was you know questioning him at the start of the year because i just felt that he wasn't doing what he did yesterday. He was dishing the ball off a lot and he wasn't really, and, and like he, he, he for me was instrumental in that second half period for Dublin in turning the game around. Um, him and McCaffrey. And by the way, if you want to go back to, you know, what you need from impact players and what you need from your half backs and your half forwards, you need what McCaffrey did. If you just watch him every single time, he just eyed his man up and said, right, I'm going by you. There was none of this going lateral. There was none of this going back to a man. <laughs> it was just. Here we go. Yeah. I'm taking you. I'm taking you, the inside or the outside. Uh, I'm. I'm going to see what happens. But uh, I thought he was really, really good yesterday. All right. Was
0: well, he good stuff? Thanks, a million. No bother, lads. It's uh, who's your football of the year? Sorry, before
4: you let you go. Oh yeah. Nice easy one there, Jared. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Jesus. Oof. You have me. I don't know. Like a McCarthy, obviously. It's McCarthy it,
0: uh, we do he was the RTE one, yeah, and he's massive yeah. odds on now to to win it. It's I I don't know. It's a lifetime achievement award. He should have got it before, but anyway.
4: Yeah, don't I would de- absolutely. Sure. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, can we hold that one? Come back. To yeah. Me. Okay. 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 Uh, we'll do that. Yeah, Fenton is definitely in the in 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 the running. Fenton is a, like Fenton. I mean you know Cluxton has to be in the running. Cluxton, yeah, I think so too. Like, but I'm talking
5: enough about Cluxton. Like in those conditions yesterday, not to lose a kick out. Maybe Cluxton and Brian Howard, because again, like Howard going back and those short little balls were one mistake they carry you in and they pounce, and they never made the mistake once.
4: Yeah. No, and you're right by the way. And I have it. Like I mean, sorry, I know you lads want to move on, but but the the Cluxton was. Because what, what happens is, Nathan, you see a score going over, right? And then they get the kick out of the way and you say, oh, that was pretty easy. But actually the pressure that is being applied at that time, because if you don't get that kick out of the way, now one score becomes two. And all of a sudden, you know, Kerry are totally up. They never, ever got a chance to build again after they got a score. And that was down to Cluxton and the movement outside. Potentially the Alfred- most, m- most important Gaelic
0: footballer ever. Like that's the that's the type of nonsense that we have to talk when we were talking about Kloks to because there's no other way to frame the impact that he's had in the game and the fact he's coming back at 42 like he, he was, he's slowly ambling up to take the free you know completely sucking the life out of the entire and then just nailing it you're like wow this is ridiculous man. first first
4: first score today, Jar. Yeah. Just walks up on, on the on the right for a right footed kicker and just goes yeah yeah no problem bang straight over. And, and even the one, do you remember the one Clifford Skies up in the air? Yeah. And it's ringing and it's hanging and it's hanging. And some fellas would go and attack that high, right? And, and he just waits, 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 just, boom. Oh, thanks. And the Kerry and the forward comes in literally a second later and he just has the time and he just, as as calm as you like, this comes out with it. Like, you know, look at the amount of shots really on goal as well. Like, I know, what, Kerry, Kerry got the goal and then... Um, they had the the one that was cleared off the line. I thought Dublin probably had a few more chances. I don't know if you remember the one where Kilkenny was going through and he hand-passes a ball to Pascal High. They end up getting a score from it from Mannion. But if he gives that on the chest, they're running right through on goal. Probably There was probably two or three chances for Dublin. Yeah. Um, but look, Cluxton has been, without doubt. Um, but I think Dublin are served well there. I think they're okay. I think Evan Comerford and <laughs> It's not like there's going to be a major deficiency, but of course there will be, um, because as you say, he is probably the most important player of the last fifteen years in Gaelic football. Yeah. All right. Multi well, good stuff. No bother. Cheers, lads. It's eight thirty three.
0: Um, Ashley O'Reilly is with us now, uh, live from the Dublin Team Hotel. Ashley, good morning to you.
9: Good morning, lads. How's things?
0: Where are you actually? Where, where is the Dublin Team Hotel today?
9: It's in Santry, the Crown Plaza in Santry, so I'm hidden in a corner here as a few of the players are on their way in for breakfast, so we have movement.
0: Very good, this is a bit better than the Limerick lads. Who have you seen? Who have you seen, (laughs) Ashley?
9: So, so far it was Desi that was up first, he's gone in for breakfast with his wife and then Brian Howard as well. And I overheard him saying that he's been up, I think he was up until about half five last night, so he's doing pretty well to to be up at this time, fair play to him.
5: If you get Stephen Cluxton this morning, Ashling, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can retire. This is your Pulitzer. No, pr-
9: no pressure, thanks, David. Yeah, <laughs> I'll go up and uh, find out what room he is knocking the door. Uh, but was, yeah, was, what he what was, he done yesterday was just incredible, wasn't it? Just it felt like a uh, reeling in the ears moment. Like I said it to Desi afterwards. Like, it was all a bit surreal to see him stepping up to that first 45 after four minutes and just putting it over the bar. I just looked at Paddy Andrews beside me and the both of us just looked at each other and he just started laughing like this is wild that he is still doing this at this age.
5: Yeah, it was one of the things I did notice sitting right behind Jack O'Connor and Mike Quirk. They were going mad for clux and Sue scores with the officials. Look it up, look it. he's just strolling up, he's just strolling up. It's like, yeah, he is, he's literally going to do this at his own pace.
9: And Desi said that as well in the press conference, he said, you know, it takes them a bit longer now to get up to the ball and it takes them a good while to get back.
0: <laughs> the Zimmer frame, was that, was that the implication? Uh, <laughs> I, and so our, it, I presume it's just a, an overwhelming sense of uh, joy and relief. There is definitely, Ash, a, a sense that this is last dance for a lot of these, that the retirement's going to start seeping out over the next few days.
9: Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, nobody gave anything away yesterday. Obviously, we spoke to James McCarthy in the press conference afterwards. And, you know, he was asked, you know, was this the band getting back together? And is this the band breaking up again? And he said, well, it's it's not a bad way to go out. He sort of paused and then said that. And then he just said, look, I'm not making any decisions yet. I'm going to enjoy this. And it was the same for Dean Rock as well when I spoke to him. So you do get the sense that this is probably it for a lot of them. Um, But what a way to go out. I think this one meant more than maybe the rest, you know. You could see the elation. And even Dean Rock said, when you're winning maybe five in a row, like, it it gets maybe the norm. (laughs) And so he said this one just meant that bit more. So, yeah, it, it was unbelievable to see the scenes afterwards. Even at the bus, you know, you're sort of waiting around, hoping to get an interview with someone. And they were all still in their jerseys, in their shorts, with pints in their hands, just very loose, like, Something I haven't seen from the Dublin players, that's for sure. Um, but they're really enjoying it all, so yeah, it definitely means a lot to them.
0: All right, Ash. Hopefully, they finish their breakfast soon, and we'll uh, get to talk to some of them before we go off air in about an hour or so. But in the meantime, thanks very much. Thanks, lads. Ash O'Reilly from the Crown Plaza in Santry this morning.
5: I think Anthony Moads made a great point on Desi Fire. Like we, we don't see inside these camps. We don't know what players are looking for from a manager. And um, what we want is. Uh, Desi Farrell who is the life and soul of the party who comes out and entertains us in his press conferences and gives us something every single week and that's not him but he obviously has his players back and I think back to talking to Shane Carthy the former Dublin footballer who you know has spoken so eloquently and honestly about his battle with depression and the way he talks about Desi Farrell in his book and Farrell's influence and being able to go and talk to Desi Farrell when he was at his lowest point that he was the one he opened up to and Desi Farrell obviously has a background as a psychiatric nurse has had his own mental health issues as well that he's been quite open about but that Desi Farrell was someone he knew would have his back at his toughest, toughest moment and you got that sense from the Dublin players the way they spoke about him last night was well actually, you know what, we were able to look at Desi and you know you mightn't get what you want from him but we get exactly what we want we get the best coaching team around we've got everything we ever need so he's maintained that from Jim Gavin of, you know pulling all the right things in at the right time but actually he's got our back when we need him and as a Dublin footballer probably more than anywhere in the county maybe Dublin and Kerry uh, together you need that from your manager yeah it
0: is an incredible achievement for them to and to to inspire the ones who were too tired to go again to go again like Mm. that's his greatest achievement you know um
5: so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen does that even happen i see, i i get this, all the story is it, it was at james McCarthy's wedding the yeah. conversation. but even still like Cluxton, as you say is into his forties
2: how do you, how do you get him to come back
5: I,
0: it doesn't it doesn't make any I'm sense texting you there, no no it just it doesn't make it. i'm sorry I'm trying to read the story of the wedding like who was it at the wedding that said are you going back yeah I'll go if you go like who's the ringleader you know uh, was that was it like a job was it james look I know your wedding day is very important but look there's going to be a good opportunity for you to <laughs> yeah. put a bit of an emotional squeeze on the lads.
5: Like Three points in. in, something, in the, something in the speech maybe, in yeah. the speech, mention them. You'd love to have them back. Might really just pull on the heartstrings a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, it seems to have worked. 8.38 this morning. Let's go to Australia, live to Brisbane. Kathleen McNamee, good morning to you. How are you?
8: I'm good, I'm good. How are you guys?
0: What's your um, What's your level of anticipation for the game?
8: I have to admit, like in the last few days, it wasn't all that big. And then just being around Brisbane today, it kind of went off a little bit again. The fans around here have been great. Um, I'm outside one of the Irish bars at the moment in Brisbane. And actually, you missed it. If you come to me about 10 minutes ago, it was absolutely hopping. And then this massive like crowd of people just started walking down towards the stadium. Hopefully, there's a really good atmosphere down there as well. So, yeah, I think everyone is just relaxing into the atmosphere of today, enjoying it, knowing it's our last one, and not going in with a massive amount of anticipation for what they want on the pitch, more just soaking in the good vibes while we're still here.
0: Have you had any sense yet about what the team is gonna be and what Vera's approach to this game will be?
8: Uh so Vera was quite clear yesterday when she was talking about it in her press conference that like she's going out to win this game. She's not coming out to, you know, She was like, I know it's a big deal for the players and I know you want them to have a good time, but also I want to win this game. So that's the sort of team she's going to put out to that end. I can't imagine there's going to be too many changes. The official word from the FAI still at the moment is that Heather Payne should be available for selection. However, she didn't compete in full training yesterday. No, Louise also didn't compete in full training before the Canada game and still played. Um, So she's a to be confirmed I saw a few people suggesting there might be a bit of a switch up in the back with Diane Paulwell coming in there, and then that'll allow Megan Conley to move up into the midfield a bit more and let Denise O'Sullivan go, which I actually think could be an interesting one because I don't really think we've seen the best of Denise out of all this tournament. Um, I think, you know, normally after most games, she would be one of the number one names that you're talking about, and that hasn't really been the case as much. Uh, there's also been some thought that she might still be carrying a bit of a knock, so maybe that is wild. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see does... Vera listen to all the calls from home to give a few people a bit of a run out
5: tonight somehow I think not but we shall see Kathleen all of the build-up has been dominated about Vera Powell's future and I'm just interested in your sense from being at the press conference and it felt very PR speak from all of the players who spoken over the weekend they all had pretty much the same stock answer of it's the World Cup we're concentrating on the next game we've achieved an awful lot over the next few years but much like Uh, Katie McCabe in that pre-France press conference did not give their manager their full backing in a very unusual way for a footballer when their manager has generally been sat beside them. Uh, Is that your sense that actually the feeling around the camp is that this is coming to an almost natural end now?
8: I think so. And I've said it even before, like yesterday's press conference, which was incredibly awkward to sit through and like, it just feels like nearly every press conference we've had in the lead up to this World Cup or during it has had some issue kind of hanging over it or something incredibly awkward. As you say, none of the players have really like massively backed Vera. They've said like Megan Connolly yesterday kind of was probably one of the players that went a little bit further. She's like, oh, it's obviously not for me to decide, but Vera has been very good for me and we've achieved some great things over the last couple of years. Uh, I, I mean, I've been feeling this on the ground pretty much since maybe the last two weeks, week and a half anyways. Um, that it just felt like there had been a disconnect between the team and Vera and it felt like, you know, there there was still no more talk about uh, whether there was going to be more contract negotiations. You know, Jonathan Hill had said to the Irish media that he would talk to us whenever we were out here about Vera's contract and now that's not going to happen before the delegation fly back tomorrow. So it seems like everyone is trying to avoid answering the questions. I was kind of surprised that Vera chose to use her last press conference to say, you know, yes, I do think we have all been treated unfairly. I don't know how well that is going to go down if there are negotiations still to happen, but it does kind of feel like that was maybe one of her last opportunities to speak out and she took it for what she needed.
0: Yeah, I think that's a clear sign that uh, the, whatever negotiations there were going to be are largely done. It feels like it's very difficult to come back from that.
5: But She's, she's made a massive miscalculation by talking to the journalists from The Athletic whether she approached them or whether it was through this survey but the timing of that article has undermined her completely it seems in the eyes of her players and also has probably changed the conversation around the FAI who backed themselves into a corner by backing her so quickly the results I know they're on a losing streak but against some of the best teams in the world but football wise I think it's very hard to make a case that she shouldn't stay on uh, based on the performances but I think it does feel as though she lost the dressing room with what happened with that athletic article and there's probably no coming back from that.
8: Yeah, I definitely think that's right. You know, ever since then, like Katie's final words in that last press conference we had in Tala before we came out was, thanks for asking about the World Cup, guys. And obviously, like us as journalists, you want to talk about the football and you want to talk about the World Cup and all that sort of stuff, but there was nothing else to talk about on that day because it was such a big story. And I can imagine that was incredibly frustrating for the players who just wanted to, you know, soak up the moment, talk about this. Ever since we've been over here, every press conference you go into, you've kind of been waiting for the international media to ask about it. Surprisingly, none of them have, uh, which was really surprising to me. I thought they would have been interested in it. Yeah. And then you come to the final press conference, final game, and you have to talk about Beer's contract situation, you know. It's just, and the fact that none of the players have come out and vehemently said, yes, we really want her to stay or like put some impetus on the FAI to get this sorted kind of says a lot, I think. And I haven't had the impression all the way through that even after the games, when they're talking about the match or you're chatting to them a couple of days later, everyone's talking about individual players or like the team spirit, but no one ever picks out Vera and compliments her. And I think that says a lot. There's been an avoidance of talking about her, which there hasn't been in previous times. So... All yeah right. like I say I think this could be a natural conclusion
0: give me your prediction Kathleen
8: 3-2 to R send her I'm home send her
5: it's time to come home <laughs> Kathleen it's time to come home
8: no I th- I think it'll be 2-0 Nigeria to be honest that's probably my actual one um, yeah let's go with
0: that alright Happy, happy times, Kathleen. <laughs> Enjoy the game. Thanks, Can you again.
8: I haven't really slacked in three weeks? <laughs> Thanks, guys.
0: See you later. Good luck. Um, Kathleen, not predicting a win for Ireland at the moment. It's, it's a difficult situation. Last group game, we've nothing to play for. They have everything to play for.
10: Yeah, they need, they need, definitely need this game now to really secure. But, you know, I think... If we apply ourselves, if we play a different type of game, because the game that the um, Nigerians are playing are a high game and they have two fantastic midfielders that one always holds. Um, But I think we have a chance. I mean, we've really done well. We've equipped ourselves very well in terms of, you look at teams who are beaten really badly. We've been marginalised in our score. And a couple of those goals were our own making. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like... Uh a lot of the analysis of the World Cup is that this has been a, a failure, right? And I, I see that. You you lose two games in the World Cup, it's hard to paint it any other way. But we have been against teams who are significantly better than us, much further down the line than us in terms of their evolution, development, experience in major tournaments. And we actually played better football in those games than we have done in qualifying for the tournaments in many ways
10: well that's what happens when you play in a tournament like this like you you draw on things that you probably wouldn't have used in other games you have the the huge support that lifts you as well and then you lift your own game personally um, we've had a few injuries we're missing a couple of players and um, Again, today, I'm not quite sure if Vera's going to stick to the plan. Again, that would be dependent on whether she has injuries. You know, players are putting their hand up to say that they're injured. Um, at the same time, it'd be great to see that you could get maybe 100% half a game out of somebody so that we can get 100% right through the game. But we, we need to go at them.
0: Um I you know like if we if we win the game it's a great end to the, the competition if we get something out of it it'll be something to cling to but if we lose the game does it matter at this stage?
10: Well, I think the men's Euro in the nineties. I think the first one we went to, the, the guys lost the first three games and they were out. You know, so
0: the Euro '88 was the first one. Yeah. We beat England in the first game, drew with Russia, and then lost the, the Dutch game yeah. at the end. Um, but. The we obviously were beaten in all three games in twenty twelve when, when Trapitone
5: was the manager.
10: Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah,
5: yeah. this is different though because I, I pre tournament I think people with with the controversy around Vera Powell felt it might be a Euro twenty twelve and I think the conversation there was with Trapitone. You talked to the players afterwards. They felt it was sort of done a year before. They were sort of done with Trapitone. Like this team have gone out and actually I think really performed. It, they, Performance um, against Canada, you know, it was probably reminiscent of the first 45 minutes against France where they were brilliant, like the Kira Caruso, like an absolute nightmare to play against. That, if anything, the game plan that they're trying to implement is getting better.
10: Yeah, but then I, from my perspective, it's got to do with um, fitness that we can last a full game at pace because, and again, our formation going out. Caruso is brilliant, but she's no good up there on her own. Mm. You know, and that's that. And if you look at all the setup for the other teams coming out, they're pushing three up front. Well, that's what the, the plan is to put three up front, whether they drop back and other people move forward. But the idea is to go out with that mindset, and the and the fact that you stay close and compact as you move up the field, you'll have the stars that will shine, like Katie McCabe, maybe Denise O'Sullivan, maybe Abby Larkin, you know, Louise Quinn. You know, you'll have those type of players that will shine. But today is the day to do it. It's all or nothing today.
0: Yeah. And it'll be a lot to cling on to as they roll forward if we were to get something from the the game today.
10: Yeah, it will will be. And also, maybe now that they've had this experience, they're now going to have to go back and look at the teams they played against and look across all the others and see what are we missing that they have and where can we find the players that can do that? Because we're looking for players... Um, that are, you know, just natural. That when they're in front of the goal, you just take your chances. Don't passing the ball here, there, and everywhere. Walking the ball into the goal or shooting from too far out. Have confidence, you know, because we have skillful players, but we need to allow them to express themselves.
0: Um, I think everybody's just disappointed because we didn't get the bandwagon up and running, and the opportunities playing in the last sixteen. If we got out of the group it would all have been pretty special It would like a, a, a big breakout moment
10: it, w- it would have been fantastic I mean we are we are in a very very tough group we really really were um, but yeah to get out and play against England because I felt that in the Euros when I was looking at it that we would have had a really good go at some of those teams you know and if you think of England the first match was they were diabolical but the second match they were clinical
0: yeah and um, Qualify for the Euros is now obviously the most single most important thing, right? There's a strong feeling that this is going to be the end of the Vera Pau. This is going to be the end of the Vera Pau era. Um, sometimes you just need to be careful with that stuff. Like a new manager comes in and has to hit the ground immediately.
10: Yeah, you see, that's the danger. So you can't experiment with such a short period coming up to the, the Euros. You know, what? what do you do? But who do you get? And then the players have to know what style that particular manager wants you to play, whether they want to allow you to express yourself or want to contain you in an area, but you express yourself in that area, you know, or whether they want to role, play players in their proper positions.
5: Yeah, that is the difficulty because Vera Powell is so strong in how she wants Ireland to play, for good and for bad, because I'm interested in what you talk about supporting Kira Caruso there. Like One of the great things about this World Cup is that the minnows, if we call them that, have been so good to watch on the counter-attack. They've sucked up pressure, but actually there's a load of technical ability there. When they get on the ball, they go forward quickly. Whereas too often still with Ireland, it feels that it goes forward to Caruso. And unless Katie McCabe makes the run-up, there's nobody really there in support. Even when Sinead Farrelly did well, it sort of slows down a little bit. If you're looking at today's game, what can she do tactically to help Caruso? Do you play like there's talk that maybe Megan Conley goes into the midfield Denise O'Sullivan plays in one of those more advanced roles. Does that change it?
10: Yeah it would because it's natural for Denise to go forward and we need people to go forward but I think often we're very stretched in our play you know we're, we're our defence is stretched away from the midfield. The midfield is miles away from the forwards that if we can push up it'll actually save you a bit of leg if you if you move in relation to the ball if you know what I mean, Mm. and we're inclined to ball watch and see what's going to happen, and let's protect here, and let's protect here. If you look at the um, uh, Nigeria, they rotate the two midfield players, so when one goes and supports, the other one sort of holds back, but she doesn't hold back in the defensive, she holds back in a V so that then, when the ball breaks, she makes the run so the other midfielder get to break if you know what I mean, but you have to have an engine on you to be able to do that type of, you know, work on the pitch. And a lot of the teams seem to have that. A lot of the successful teams seem to have that. But that's an individual thing that you can work on yourself.
0: Um, what do you think is going to happen today?
10: Uh, I, I am. I'm going to. I hope I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I really do. I hope um, Vera puts on. I mean, our options are very tight now. Depending on whether there's injuries, I hope she puts on a couple of players forward, you know, and allow, particularly Katie McCabe, not to be drawn back so far, so far, you know, and let her come up and support because she has the legs that were missing in quite a few places. And um, uh, on the other side, uh, I think if. Payne is out and she has to pay Anya Gorman. Anya is a little bit lost for pace. So if I was playing with Anya and I knew Anya was playing and I was a central defender, one at centre, I'll be I would be going out to make it a two on one, do or die. You know, the idea is if you don't if the ball doesn't come in can't do any damage. So the idea is to prevent the ball coming in.
0: Vera has come in for criticism for pointing out that there's a a lack of pace in our squad and that's why she plays with the three centre-backs. Are we all being a little bit precious or is the manager not supposed to say that stuff?
10: Well, I wouldn't be saying that stuff, number one, because that's giving ammunition to the opposition. Uh, When when the um, cross came in for the second goal, we, weren't, we didn't need any pace. We just needed to be able to track the ball and move in relation to the ball and adjust ourselves.
0: And are you, as the manager, not supposed to say that? Or are you, as the manager, supposed to say, well, look, because I think she was criticised for also saying that too. Like,
10: I, I, I wouldn't be saying anything to give any other team any type of um, ammunition to use against me. I would not be talking about my players. That would be something I'd be trying to work out myself. Um, In terms of, okay, if I have somebody who isn't so fast, I need somebody beside it that's going to be able to support her. But I wouldn't be saying anything derogative about my players at all.
0: All right. Fair enough.
10: I wouldn't even do it for my club team.
0: All right. Give us your prediction.
10: Um, I hope that, um, well, I think we might do pretty well if, if the players are rotated and not left on till they're tired. They're absolutely tired. We've been very close in goals, really close, and the girls have to be admired for that. Um, I am. Um, if we can contain the two central midfielders, okay, they, I think that we might have a chance
0: of getting a draw or a win.
10: Well, see, if we, I, I think we might have a chance of getting a win. Right. You know, now the only thing that will go against us, I think, is is our pace and our lack of pace. You know, like I don't think the Nigerians are, are what we call dirty players. They're very powerful and physical um, and they stand their ground. Great balance, lovely little technical skills. Um, they're willing to run to win the ball. Uh, and they do an awful lot of interchanging. If you look at the front three, I mean, they're moving in and out. The player that was on the right is now on the left. But the player on the left has actually moved to right. So the awareness of where the positional sense is in relation to everybody on the team, I found quite remarkable.
0: OK, so a big challenge for us today. Then the good stuff. Enjoy the game. Thanks a million.
10: Thanks a lot, Lance.
0: It's 8.56. Uh, a reminder, Braeburn Coffee, the official coffee partner of Off The Ball. Braeburn Coffee coming to an Apple Green store near you. New Braeburn locations are popping up every month. Visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Braeburn to find your nearest Braeburn Coffee experience. Uh, let's go back to Gaelic football Paul Caffrey is with us this morning Paul good morning to you how are you?
7: Oh, head, Jerry, but uh, very happy very happy man
0: yeah uh, there's a lot of talk in the papers that this is their favourite one of all of their nine children many of the dubs are saying it's their favourite and I can see I can see why because there was a sense that this was a Kerry team that was coming with a young force and you kind of need to stop them in their tracks now and so um, how do you rank it?
7: Yeah, look, in the ground, there was a lot of emotion. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> the f- Pat Gilroy's first twenty eleven, 2011, was very special. Um, the Clucks in late free, it was, it, it was a moment, you know, it was a long time since 1995. Um, so that gap was bridged. And then, look, Jim had this fantastic run where, I suppose, just Dublin people couldn't believe what was happening year after year. Producing big performances and the great battles with Mayo in particular over that period, and look the hurt of the last two years um, in terms of losing semi-finals and you know after such a great run. Paul, um, I'm just gonna
0: I'm just gonna hold you there because actually we can cross live to the team hotel and yeah. I think we're good to talk to Desi Farrell this morning. Desi, good morning to you.
1: How are you? Good morning, Chair. Nathan. How are you? Congrats. Well, yeah. What
0: was your night like?
1: Uh, The night was lovely, yeah, it was great. Um, Sort of uh, couldn't wait to get to my bed either at at the same time. It was one of those types of days. But uh, no, it was was lovely to spend time with family and friends and uh, share a a special period after a day like we had.
0: What was the what was your experience with the match like? Because it was bloody tense for us as neutrals. I can only imagine how tense it was for you. What was the ebb and flow in your sense of it?
1: Yeah, it was... Um, I think it probably went according to script. Uh, we we knew it was going to be nip and tuck all the way. Um, I, I'd hate to actually watch it as a spectator myself because I can imagine what that was like, but when you're on the sideline and you're sort of trying to be on task and you're engaged, the brain is engaged and active in all sorts of different things, you know, so the, the tension piece of it doesn't really hurt. You're still trying to uh, figure out the puzzle and come up with different solutions to different challenges as the, as you see them in front of you. So it's, um, yeah, but it, it, it was just over and back. And um, I think ultimately we, we had... That that sense of belief uh, that we'd get there at the end and it materialised that way, thankfully.
0: When the gainy goal goes in just before half time, uh, a lesser team, a less experienced team, um, a team maybe who wasn't prepared for something like that, might find that to be a bit of a shock to the system because you played quite well and contained them in that first half. So, what's the conversation at half time like?
1: Yeah, the conversation at halftime was positive. It, it's strange. So sometimes you might go in at halftime in a lead or a comfortable lead and it's a different type of conversation because you, you're not so happy with how, how the performance has been in, in the first 35 minutes. But, but actually at halftime yesterday, we, we were happy with how we were playing uh, defensively. Obviously, they have some huge threats up front and even their some of the defenders, their backs, are, are very comfortable going forward. So there's was... Uh, a big emphasis on team defence and containing them. And uh, we thought, although it was a sucker punch just before the halftime whistle to concede that goal, um, we thought defensively we'd done very well and very happy with that. And just make, make uh, some adjustments up front into our attacking game was what was required at halftime. And uh, we yeah we were happy with where we were at.
5: It's a good sign when there's such a debate about the man of the match that there was probably four or five different Dublin contenders who put their hands up. Uh, Mick Fitzsimons very unlucky not to get it. I think everybody felt going in that you know Clifford gets six points regardless of what happens, and he ends up with three. Can you talk about your yeah, how you planned to contain him both with Mick Fitzsimons marking him, but also as a defensive unit?
1: Yeah, it look, at it. it wasn't rocket science. Um, uh, we could get a sense from, from Mick Fitz um, maybe 10 days out that he was keen to take on that mammoth challenge uh, in Mark and David Clifford and uh, to, to mix eternal credit like the, the homework and the preparation and the, the in-depth analysis he'd done on, on all his opponents but uh, particularly for this one uh, it's something to behold and and then with, there's a big emphasis on team defence that it, it wasn't just going to be mixed responsibility. It was everyone's responsibility to to, to marshal a player like David. And, and, you know, the problem with that is it can open up the floodgates elsewhere. So we we had to be fairly strategic in how we managed that. That, you know, it was Mick Fitz plus one other, not two or three others, and uh, leave other carry forwards uh, free and in space. And uh, it was just being as compact as we possibly could and, um, it worked very well in the first half for us uh, they, they had a period of dominance then in the second half where uh, we seemed to be a little bit more open at the back but I think we, we got on top of that again and, uh, and kicked on from there
0: and in the second half then what was your sense of how that went so obviously there was that period where Kerry were getting on top and then in the final 10 minutes a couple of your big players start to find pockets of space or carry the ball for 60-70 yards and really just drive it at the heart of that Kerry defence. What was your sense of how that the game was unfolding, particularly in those last 15 minutes?
1: Yeah, we sort of anticipated that it might open up a little bit more in the second half uh, because, you know, Kerry are renowned for obviously having some serious attacking threats. Um, they're very good defensively themselves, have good structure, uh, some really good one-on-one defenders. So uh, we, we knew space and time was going to be at a premium Um particularly in the first half, but that there may be opportunities that might start to open up a little bit in the second half. And, um, you know, some of our fellows uh, got that little bit of space uh, to big turnover as well, which helped Colli Bascoel did brilliantly uh, in terms of turning over Kerry Defender, uh, which set up the goal for, for Paddy Small. And we we spoke about it in advance that this game was going to turn on, on the big moments. And, uh, Try to win as many as those moments as you possibly could, particularly going down the stretch. Uh,
0: how enjoyable has it been to manage this group over the last twelve months, in particular, as as the old stages returned, but as some of those new, younger players also managed to begin to put their hand up for selection?
1: Yeah, it's really enjoyable. Um, it's a great season. It's you know they're it's, it's well renowned and well spoken about the. The, the older guys and the senior guys and um, the ty- types of individuals they are, some special people and uh, and then we, we had a lot of young players come in over the last two years I think something like 22 in total in the last two seasons and uh, we, we just got a great blend going um, the, the younger guys full of enthusiasm, energy uh, eager to learn and there were some really good student mentor relationships developing within the group and I think Uh, a lot of the younger guys they really spark life into some of the senior guys as well and you know having a bit of fun and and a bit of crack is important along the way but uh, a lovely little bond seemed to emerge and and that type of a dynamic within the group and um, and and then the other part of it is timing of course you know different season different format competition structure uh, not an exact science you got to trust your gut with a lot of these things in terms of Went to push and went to hold back, and and ultimately to be able to peak at the right time, which, which thankfully, uh, seemed to happen for us yesterday.
5: Uh, we've been doing a deep analysis on James McCarthy's uh, wedding yeah, and uh, what McCarthy must have developed uh, that night. Like, was it during James McCarthy's speech? Did he give a shout out to Stephen Cluxton and say, "You're my one true love"? Actually, please come back. How, how did that actually? Uh, how did that actually happen?
1: There's a there's a lot of speculation around how how uh, those. Uh, conversations materialized. Um, uh, so, some of them may uh, have happened at the wedding. Some of them may have taken place before that as well. So, but um, look at it. They're, they're great lads. They've great relationships themselves. And uh, there's that special bond um, from, as you can imagine, from fellows who have soldiered as long as they have together. So uh, it was great to see uh, so, some of those more experienced lads who'd been away for some time. Uh, come back um, but it, it was always a case of the door was always open and it was just whenever they were ready um, and uh, if that day came we were, we were delighted to have them back.
0: You also deserve a lot of credit for bringing Pat Gilroy on board. How did that all come about?
1: Uh, Pat and myself obviously played together uh, over the years and um, uh, we have a great friendship and great relationship with uh, even when Pat won in 2011, I was the the with, with the senior team. I, I was the the minor manager at that stage, and uh, Pat was always a great assistance. And even though he was busy with a big job himself, he was always keeping an eye out for, for how well we we were getting on um, with the minor team, and the same with sort of under 21 teams over the years. He was always a great sounding board, and uh, fellow to have a cup of coffee with or uh, pick his brains on certain things, and. Um, and and that would have been the case uh, over the last couple of seasons and then um, at some stage this season I said sure sure, why don't you give us a little bit more of a dig out and um, he started coming out to some of the sessions and being around the great place and he's been brilliant you know his experience and uh, just the type of man he is he's um, uh, it was great to have his input and support all season
5: Can I just ask about those quieter moments you had last night with your family and friends because it's a tough gig being the Dublin manager yeah, you, know, you win a game in Leinster you don't win it by 10 points you get stick you draw at Common earlier in the championship you're getting stick for that it's sort of relentless the level of expectation that is there there seemed to be a sense watching you on tv last night of just relief can you talk about actually getting that time to yourself and actually being able to sit down and maybe have that first moment of contemplation of what you've achieved
1: yeah it's um and it is just the first moment because you know there's a lot going on at last night's event and uh I think it's probably over the next couple of days that we'll get actually some some quieter time and quieter moments to be together to be together as a group ourselves, and uh, I'm looking forward to those moments and those conversations. Um, they're they're a great crew, as i mentioned. Um, you know, I've special affection for them. Um, the service that some of the senior lads have given to Dublin football over the years is just it's unquantifiable. And um, and then you know I I've. Been very privileged to have worked with some of these men uh, now, when, the, when they were kids, and uh, I've seen them grown from uh, young young boys to young men o- over the over the course of the last 10-12 years, and a very privileged position to be in. So it's um, I'm delighted for them. They're, they're a great crew, and uh, um, they deserve that. Yesterday,
0: have you thought about what's next for you yet?
1: Uh, no i haven't um uh, i have a cup of coffee here beside me and that's that's definitely the next thing uh, um but uh no look as will um you know there, there's some of the players obviously are gonna be in that position as well where they need to make some decisions and um yeah, yesterday today or tomorrow isn't the time for that you know um i think everyone will um take time to reflect on, on what's next for them and uh, uh, we'll see how that all unfolds in due course.
0: Yeah, well, I think everybody will give you whatever space you need to, to make whatever decision you want to make because that's the, the benefit of having this little bit of, of breathing space and moment for re- reflection. Uh, this is obviously very different from winning your first time with the group. This is like the full board. It'll be a homecoming. You'll be able to go out and meet people and fully enjoy it. It's like... Um, a very different experience, I suspect, from the first one that you won as manager.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the first one we won back in 2020, uh, the uh, post-match celebrations were quite mooted, as you can imagine. Um, we went back to Parnell Park and it was just players and background team only, no no partners, no families. And, uh, and and that was lovely and special in its own way. Um, but, but yesterday was, was very different and... Uh, it was a delight to have um, family and friends around and to be able to share that special time.
0: How does it compare with winning as a player?
1: Um, it's very, very different. Um, as a player, you're just solely focused on yourself uh, and and getting yourself right. Um, as a manager, there's um, there's much more responsibility, and uh, it, it's actually you know there's nothing like playing, Ger, as you can imagine. Um, but it's it's definitely. It's um, a privileged position to be in, to, to work with players like this and am um, um, just delighted for them all.
0: Well, listen, enjoy your coffee and whatever comes next, Desi. Congratulations. Cheers.
1: Thanks, lads. Thanks a million. All the best.
0: So Desi Farrell giving us some thoughts there. Uh, Paul, it is a, a stunning achievement from Desi's perspective to face down the criticism that he faced in the last couple of years, to get the band back together, to convince them... That it was the right thing to do, and then to reintegrate them into the team in a seamless manner, because you know it, it it can't be easy to bring those lads yeah. back and to manage that whole thing properly.
7: Yeah, look, I, I think Desi comes out of this with fantastic credit. Um, you know, he he explains it away uh, in a very gentle manner there in relation to Pat Gilroy going back on board, but like Desi would have assessed, like they were so close in the last two years. Uh, to get over them semi Um but yet they didn't. And looking at some of the guys who maybe started last year, uh, you know, sort of the next wave of, of players that was coming through, Larkin O'Dell started against Kerry last year, Tom LeHiff played. A lot of them guys didn't get game time in the crunch moments this year. And Desi probably looked and said, you know what, we are just a bit short. Um, and then whatever conversation took place, uh, to get the three lads back. Well, let me uh, let okay. me
0: hold you there again, sorry, Paul, because we will get to that. We've actually got Brian Howard with us now as well. Brian, good morning to you. How's the head? Oh, fresh as the daisy. Are you? Ready
6: yeah. To go again.
0: <laughs> uh, how sweet was this one?
6: Uh, there, there was there was something a little different to this one. Um, just a bit sweeter than than the other past few years. But uh, I know every all Ireland is is obviously amazing, but. You, you always treasure the most recent one and especially when you've missed it for, for two years and you sort of as I, as I mentioned you don't sort of realise what you got till it's gone sort of um, mentality so I know it was amazing getting back up, up those steps it was it was a special day
0: When as the year unfolded you, did you begin to think actually hang on a second with everybody who's come back and with the younger players starting to put pressure to make sure that everybody's at it that you were at the same level that you've been at in previous years
6: yeah and, and it was a strange one enough for me this year in terms of I probably missed a lot of the pre-season um, doing a bit of travelling but I came back in uh, a bit in December but mostly in, in February I came back and, and I was blown away with, with the standards that were there um, from the older cohort but also the younger lads what they were pushing on and and they were making the standards they were the standard bearers and um, come back into such a competitive squad it, it was amazing and, and that's when I sort of knew this is our year and and we were obviously at, at the league. It wasn't um it wasn't an easy sale by any means. It was it was a tough tough battle throughout the league but we sort of knew something was brown and, and thankfully we hit a we hit the bit of form in the last couple of games and and we were able to get over the line.
5: We've seen uh, the likes of Paul Manny and Jack McCaffrey take extended breaks. For you, how important was it to take even those few months to go travelling to sort of recharge the batteries and come back in with a fresh mindset?
6: Yeah, it was and and look, I I did come in, I came in rejuvenated and and ready to rock but the the hunger was always there for me and um, it was something, it was just a time in my career that that I said I'd I'd do a couple of weeks travelling but I, I came back in and the lads are in just such an amazing spot and it sort of inspires you and motivates you to be the best player you can be. Um and and thankfully that was enough to, to get out onto the pitch. But but in fairness to the lads that have been putting in the tough tough yards, they it wasn't an easy pre season by any means and and to see even by the end, um lads bursting up forward and, and getting on the end of scores, just just digging it deep. It was it paid dividend all the hard work that was done in the early Times of
0: the year, uh, your own role has obviously evolved. You've you've basically played everywhere from it seems five to twelve at various stages, even in matches. So, what was your role over the last couple of games in particular?
6: Um, it, it was I, I was just playing. I was playing that wing back and, and sort of protecting the lads inside. It, it wasn't it wasn't uh, a set position by any means. It was just sort of thankfully against Mayo when when you you get the lead. Um, you, sort of, you have the licence just to sit back and you don't have to offer too much going forward because, you know, the only way to get back into it is with a goal, but um, no, just sitting back and, and probably getting on more kick-outs, being a kick-out option more than more than anything else and, and a transition player, but it, it was nice to, I started off a bit ropey yesterday with a, a wayward left the shot, but it, it was nice to get on the, the scoreboard as well because um, when, when you see like, the likes of and um, and on Merch and John Small's besides, and they're getting forward every every chance they get. In and when you're not getting those opportunities, it's nice to to be on the end of something.
0: And the relationship you have with Stephen Clarkson on the kickouts is obviously incredibly important to the team. How do you how do you practice that? Like, is that is that you actually at training sessions working specifically with him, or is that just a kind of planned on the notice board? How does that work?
6: Yeah, like obviously there, there's a lot of work that's, that's done on training ground and. And, and when you see a player win the kick out in space it's credit to the other lads around. They've created the space, they've got out of the way, stuff like that. But but Stephen, he'd be able to pinpoint anything in terms of kick out. So he's uh all you have to do is make a run, he puts in the, the bread basket. So um, I look look yesterday was just one of those days that sort of worked out for me in terms of kick outs so I was able to get on a few but but to, to Stephen and, and the other keepers they sort of, they've set the bar, they've They've literally made it to you. Just make a run. They put it in your in your uh, chest. So. Look, it was, it was nice to be on the end of the play, it, point, but it's credit to the other lads being able to create the space and, and make you the hero, as they say.
5: A lot of the players have spoken about the influence of the younger guys, because I guess we're focusing so much on the players that have won nine. But, you know, the likes of Lee Gannon, first All-Ireland, Cormac Oslo, first starting in All-Ireland. Not every player in that panel has nine All-Irelands. Uh, and for the last couple of years, I'd imagine for those guys, it's been very difficult being in the shadows and the constant conversation of this great Dublin team that maybe people felt was gone?
6: Yeah, yeah. And and when you look, there's, you see nine all-Irelands, but you think there's a lot of lads in that group that have zero. Uh, Like Lee Gannon, Darren Newcombe, Ross McGarry, stuff like that. But when you have that sort of experience with the hunger of the younger lads coming through, it it sort of creates a special bond and a special unit. And yesterday was just epitomised it in terms of the hunger is still there from the older lads and like so Micah Simons James McCarthy they're sort of hitting their prime at, at 35 years of age so yeah the, the younger lads they're, they're hungry they're hungry and never, they're ready to go again do you think everybody's going to go
0: one one more time are you are you like already saying come on let's just do this this is pretty good
6: yeah and, and now in fairness no one is as asking those questions to the to the older lads, sort of, it's a time of celebration. But in the back of their heads, they're probably like, oh, I have one more year left. And we, obviously, me, I, I play with them for a good number of years now. So I'll be whispering in their ear, come on one more year. But obviously, uh, I, I don't think they've made a decision on whatever they're doing.
7: What's
0: the plan for today?
6: So back to bed now for next while. But uh, now going to the hospitals now in the next few minutes, And then into Smithfield for the homecoming. So uh, another special
0: day ahead. Well, listen, enjoy it, Brian. Congratulations. Stunning performance. Well done. Thank you. Paul Caffrey, uh, Brian Howard actually is is, um, a really good case study. His form this year comes back to the level that it was when he burst on the scene, but fully integrated into a game plan, knows exactly what his role is there. And to have him as somebody who can sweep into midfield or can be a you know an extra body running off a shoulder in the in the half forward line while all the time using his football brain as a, a half back it's um you know they they've managed his season brilliantly as well
7: yeah he he's a remarkable young guy um uh, much admired by 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 all um he, he's this uncanny ability to be so calm on the ball he's a, he's a beautiful sidestep uh and really turns over the ball so you know he is Like Keno Sullivan played that role so well for so long. Then Johnny Cooper took it over. And Brian Howard has been a revelation this year in that, as that plus one defender sitting in front of a full back line, just brilliant on the ball. Uh, And, you know, also a huge option for kickouts. Uh, Like he plays a lot of his club football at midfield for Rohini. Himself and Klucko. Seem to be very good mates off the pitch. I, I, I've seen them socialising with the age gap between them. Uh, it would be quite an unusual. Uh, but for some reason, they, they'd hit it off very well. And I think, um, you know, as a kick-out option, uh, Brian, Brian was available all day yesterday. And uh, Kluxen nailed a, a perfect performance uh, in terms of, I think, 23 kick-outs and found a found Dublin player every time. So, yeah, no loads of little caveats. In terms of um, Brian Howard was hugely important to that whole setup this year the way it evolved.
0: We were talking about Desi before we we got Brian Howard there, and uh, not many people would have the self confidence to bring in somebody as high profile as Pat Gilroy. And I, I, yeah. I think it speaks to the absence of ego in a way.
7: No, no look, uh, I, Desi, I, I was explaining he deserves huge credit in, in the way this evolved the whole year like there was a feeling in dublin you know after two semi-final defeats that look there was bits missing that weren't going to be replaced uh adequately enough uh, by the young crew that were coming through and we were just going to be a bit short and maybe that, that was going to be the future for dublin getting to semi-finals and just being a little bit shy um but a big big decision uh, like a to get Klucko back uh, and, and then, you know, David Hanlon was uh, our club man in terms of Nafina. He's Desi's club man also, uh, you know, and he was the one that lost out in terms of having comfort, coming back from injury. And then Cluko goes and proves what everybody thought, that he is the best keeper uh, ever, uh, has a, an outstanding season and just everything seemed a little bit calmer, calmer when, when when Cluckson got the jersey back and, and, and all of a sudden things started to look a bit brighter Plus, look, there was a huge X-factor missing with uh, Jack McCaffrey. He's so many people's favourite Dublin player. He just brings an excitement to to the pitch and to the ground. And I think Desi managed his game time magnificently. It would have been very simple to say, yeah, look, just throw Jack in from the start. You know, I I think when you you tactically look at how Desi managed his crew and maybe looking at Jack O'Connor, how he managed his crew, you'd say Desi won the battle hands down and um, you know he obviously dropped Kieran Kenny area in the season got a good reaction out of him um, you know Bugler was missing yesterday and he was very much going to be in the frame for a starting lineup. but Paddy Small got promoted uh, Pascal had one of those wonder seasons two years ago people were blaming him for the Mayo defeat got very little game time last year and then he comes and has a I call it a Ray Cosgrove season where he just came in and shot the lights out and it, little things that change games like when Dublin needed to get Jack McCaffrey on the pitch yesterday, uh, he was down in front of me in the Hogan and he was warming up for quite a while and there was quite a conversation going on on the sideline because they knew Jack was the man to bring in, but they didn't know who to take off. Um, and it looked as if Lee Gannon might go up into the forwards again uh, and either Paddy Small or Pascal might be the one to come off. At that stage, Needed of them were really burdened. And then Pascal gets a brilliant interception off Gavin White Paddy Small gets the goal and, and the game changes and Lee Gannon is the man to come off then Jack comes in and, and the rest just unfolds Kramer Costello is the next man removed having been man of the match in the semi-final so small margins big decisions uh, Desi got them right yesterday uh, I think Jack O'Connor maybe starting Stephen O'Brien uh, might have been they, they got very little X-factor coming into the game later on and I think Dublin's uh, impact like they won that final 20 minutes 7-2 or and, um, you know, so so De- De- Desi won the tactical battle as well as everything else, all the decisions he made all the way through. And I think he'll come out of this um, with really great credit on his side.
5: The one player you didn't mention there who brings uh, a bit of X Factor as well is Paul Mannion, who ended up as man of the match yesterday. And again, a million little things go into winning this, but if Mannion doesn't come back, I know he kicked a couple of wides, but he stepped up at the big moments again and again yesterday. Like the importance of him to that forward line.
7: Yeah. And look, everybody watching the club scene uh, for the last couple of years, and Paul obviously made his own decision to step away and just play club football. And he went to America last year as well and had some time out. But uh, uh, he is the best club footballer uh, as a forward out there for the last couple of seasons. He's just been doing it time and time again with Kill Um and, and like to see him having them clutch moments yesterday when, look, Cormacoslo, I think, carried the team in the semi final. Uh, to a certain extent, Paul Mannion carried the team yesterday with uh, his contribution. And, and, and look, it, it will be said and we said often and it'll have to be repeated. But like Kluxen nailing them to the 45 and the long range three. Look, we didn't have a long-range free-taker on the pitch uh, with Dean Rock obviously not starting this year and maybe just them slightly outside Cormac's range. Big, big decision. You know, Klucko adds two yesterday and then Paul Manning comes up with a 0-5 with a, a, a game yesterday. Uh, guys that weren't there for the last two years and I said Jack as well happened, the, 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 the touch of genius when he comes in and the excitement he brings to the stadium and all that. So, no, look, it has to be said, had them three players not come back, uh, maybe we're talking about Kerry here today not Dublin
0: yeah, yeah like and the so the ability to convince him to come back obviously they have to want it but then when they come back for them to be integrated into the team as seamlessly as they were for McCaffrey not to like throw the toys out of the pram it doesn't seem like that kind of character anyway but for him to be kept in reserve and not start like being able to manage all that these are complex interpersonal relationships you're talking about with very very experienced Players,
7: yeah, no, good point, Jarrell, and, and 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 this is where Desi must take an awful lot of the plaudits uh, to, to, to manage the the egos in the dressing room. Uh, and if it went wrong, and Dublin didn't win, you know there would be a lot of people leveling credit, criticism at Desi's table today and saying, "Look, he went back to the future, and he stopped Dublin progress, and I'm bringing through the young fellas." Um, all the decisions were geared around Dublin. Getting to where he got to yesterday, getting up the steps in Grove Park, and, and James McCarthy getting the chance to, to, to lift the salmon. Um, you know, winner takes all in these conversations.
0: Yeah. It did sound like James McCarthy was talking about finishing up. And if that happens, fair enough. It's been an incredible, like, a ridiculous career, an all time, literally an all time great career. What's your sense about what comes next? Like, Desi obviously was saying he's focused on the next cup of coffee, but.
7: It's on everybody's lips that, you know, it was a big conversation post-match in the circles last night. Who will go? Who will stay? Will Desi stay himself? Um, You know, another part of this equation is uh, John Coslow is is gone like in October now as the CEO of Dublin GA And, you know, he'd be a hard act to replace himself. He's been a brilliant uh, leader of of Dublin and, and maybe that might sit on Desi's mind when he's deciding whether he's going to commit or not going forward. Desi has given an awful lot to Dublin football. If you go back to when he would have taken over the development squad and bringing them through through that team, the, the the minor um team and then the twenty one. So Desi put in an enormous amount of time into this uh, whole equation and you know I, I would say Desi will be having a long hard look in terms of what he wants to do himself and Obviously, if he decides to stay on, it becomes a different conversation. But I, I would think that look, there's several of them players. Uh, it felt like Stephen Clarkson was having a, a Jim Gavin moment yesterday. Uh, he didn't go up to lift up the Sam McGuire. He was the only player who didn't go up. But you know, he, he walked nice and slowly behind over to the hill and had had his moments. Um, I seen him hugging a supporter. Uh, I just think, look, Stephen came back for one season, and one season oh, oh, only, I can't see him playing on. Mick the Times at 35. Um, you know, even James, like, I, I would think, could very well see Dean Rock. A lot of these guys just nice and quietly exiting over the winter. No big statements, No, no big fanfare. Uh, they come back to do what they did, they did it, um, they have their name etched in history, the oldest Dublin set-up, uh, nothing, and I think um, it, it'll be a private decision, but I'd be shocked if, if, if several of them don't slip away quietly.
0: Yeah, and uh, to even the, the lads who came back, you know, is, is Mannion back for good, or is he just back for the year to do this one thing, or is he rejuvenated now with the time away, and is Jack McCaffrey back for good, I, I don't know, but... But there, yeah. was, there was definitely informed talk from some people that there was a possibility that some unexpected names might decide, I'm taking a year out here, I have been on the treadmill for six, seven seasons, eight seasons in some yeah. cases. So some unexpected names might also not be available for, ne- for s- selection next year.
7: Yeah, it's a fair point, Jared. and um, the commitment level that's required, you heard Brian Howard like saying that he went he travelling a bit with his girlfriend or whatever, and... A lot of these guys have put an awful lot of their lives on hold. Um, I, I know Dean Rock is getting married Saturday week. Um, you know, so, so life moves on. Careers have to be challenged and worked at. These fellas, it's such a commitment that they give to this cause. I think a lot of boxes are ticked after yesterday there. And then, like, you know, James McCarty talks about the hurt and the two semi semi-finals that were... Left behind now, as it appears, um, and them getting it together and giving it one final push, and that's what it was all about this year. And so, I think in the moments and the weeks that come ahead, I think there will be a lot of fellows who will look at it and say, "You know what? Can I can I do it any better? Can I do it any? Can I get any more out of this?" And so, I think if one goes, you might have five gone. That's the way I see it.
0: Yeah. All right, Paul. We we'll leave it there. Great stuff. Thanks a million.
7: Cheers, lads. Thanks. for you
5: then. Enjoy the celebrations. It was a great video. Jack McCaffrey, I don't know if you saw it, losing his shit as James McCarthy lifts the trophy. He's down in the dugout and goes, literally, he's all out
0: there. Uh, I said this after the hurling, there's always a pang of jealousy when the, the bunting explodes. Did, did some randomer have uh, fireworks on the hill? It yeah, seemed that way. I think so, yeah. And that seemed to, everybody seemed to take their cue from that, and everything went off a little bit earlier this time than last I time. I thought, yeah, the, I thought the bunting went when they lifted the trophy. Yeah, I did too, yeah. But I think that some randomer was like uh, with the fireworks on the hill. And uh, Sherlock. A bit of Aslam
5: when they won. Yeah. yeah. All added to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no jealousy here, Jeremy. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. You're never going to get to experience this, Nathan. N- me neither.
5: I, That's I, think I think there's far more chance of me experiencing oh, it than you experiencing see, it. See. You've so been banging on about listen, that for a very long time, no, Nathan, and it hasn't listen. happened yet. So one of these days, blah blah one blah. One of these blah, days, blah, I'll be in here blah, blah, as insufferable you as you can be. You we'll you be won't. going to the Mayo Hotel. <laughs> oh, you, you won't even come in that day. No, I'll be in the background. It's never going to happen. asleep It's never going to happen. Ireland first, team is in. Yeah, Ireland team is in. Two changes. So Lilia gets her first start in midfield, and Heather Payne is back fit and we'll start on the right so uh, Oni Gorman drops out and Lucy Quinn drops out of the side again so it is Courtney Brosnan in goal the same back three of Nifahy Louise Quinn and Megan Connolly it'll be Heather Payne on the right Katie McCabe captains the side on the left Looks then like it might be Rusha Little John, and Lily Ag in the middle of midfield, with Denise O'Sullivan playing a bit further forward alongside Sinead Farrelly, and just in behind Kira Caruso. Hopefully, it is O'Sullivan a bit further forward. I think Linda Gorman was saying that Nigeria are so strong in the middle of midfield. Maybe she'll try and get three in there. But I think if you've got Denise O'Sullivan and Sinead Farrelly close together in an advanced position, that Ireland are going to be a lot better on the ball.
0: Uh, it's interesting from Desi saying that there was conversations happening before the wedding as well. So obviously things have been r- ramped up.
5: Yeah. Also, if you're Desi, you, you want to make sure that, you know, you're you're very involved in these conversations. That, you know, the lads got together and decided Cluxton was going to come back. No. I had, you know, I'd been in touch. We were constantly in contact. It is. It, because it's Cluxton and everything with Cluxton is so bizarre. It, like, it, it doesn't go up and lift the trophy. Get, the, even the photographs that's on the back of all the papers with the three lads who won the nine... I don't know if you saw the video of it. They come over then and go, "Here's the trophy." Put the trophy in the middle of the tree, and he just walks off. Right. But he won't hold the trophy. You will not hold the trophy. What's it about? Do we know? Has he? it? Has it I don't know. It's going to be a good book
0: if it ever if it ever gets written.
5: It, it'll never get written.
0: Will it ever get written? It'll never get written. now's the time, right?
5: Write the book. Tell us what's going on. Yeah. So, it, it, but to come back after been gone for two years in and your 40s and to be, and be that good. It doesn't make any
0: sense. It doesn't. It's, like the two
5: 45s are just whew, never in doubt. And no, that was he, the thing. It was such a calming... But he has changed my impression of 45s forever.
0: Like 45s are difficult. Uh, like when we were kids, it was 50-50.
5: Yeah, whereas now I judge everybody on Cluckston, it's like, missed opportunity. Simple free. Simple free. You, you tap that over the bar every time.
0: The uh, the Kildare 98 team would tell you that... um one of their free takers would have gone ah it's bonus territory if you kick a 45 bonus territory and they were like what do you talking about like it really isn't you're supposed to score them it's like, ah it's bonus territory nobody expects you to do it now it's like can't be missing them so uh, yeah uh, we'd, we would love to hear from some Kerry people I mean I presume it's too, too soon too raw today but uh, maybe we'll get to talk to some of you tomorrow about what happened
5: you here. met the prodigal son I see I did yeah
0: Owen Jean's back, back in the country alive and well he?
5: how was he Remember, he he was having the time of his life. He was in somewhere in Colombia enjoying himself, <laughs> and he decided to fly home from that good stuff because Kerry were going to win the All Ireland. Ah, uh, just like he drew, he, he flew, spent thousands and thousands of euro, <laughs> ruined the best time of his entire existence, all because he thought Kerry were going to win the All Ireland. Yeah, oh, you got to be there, you know. You you you
0: you get kicked out of the Kerry Mafia WhatsApp group if you don't show up to the game, right? How's the Kerry Mafia WhatsApp group been? I don't. I got kicked out. You got kicked out. Did yeah, you? I was. I was only there momentarily. Right. Long enough for them to gloat. Uh, I should mention before we go that we're heading to the Cork Podcast Festival on Sunday, the 27th of August, in the Cork Opera House. Special guest Jimmy Barry Murphy. More guests will be announced very soon. Do not miss out on a great night of conversation and crack in the heart of the rebel county. For tickets, go to corkpodcastfestival.ie forward slash off the ball and it's off dash the dash ball
1: otb am
0: the sports breakfast show from off the ball